It started in 2012. I went to a small middle school in an even smaller town. The best part about the school was the large playground area. There was more playground than the kids knew what to do with. That playground was surrounded by a short fence, which opened up at two sections. One for the bus drop-off, so the kids who rode the buses could exit and enter from there. And the other was for the gazebo trail. The gazebo trail gate could only be opened by teachers to keep kids from wandering off. Still, many of the students would climb the fence, as it wasn't that tall, whenever the teachers weren't watching. They'd go out to the gazebo, and simply hanging out. Some of them even smoked out there, but the rest of us just thought they were idiots. Anyway, it began when the principal decided that the teachers needed to stay inside the school during recess for the next week or so to help set up some equipment for the end-of-year celebration. Every year at the end of it, just before summer break, they'd set up a little makeshift carnival full of prizes and games and candy and nonsense so the students could go out with a bang. But only if you read enough books over the year, which our homeroom teachers and the librarian kept track of. I always thought it sounded like a terrible idea to keep the teachers inside, but I guess the principal thought it was fine, as the auditorium they were setting things up in had a glass wall facing the playground, so technically they could still watch us very closely. But they weren't really watching us at all. I know that now, because they didn't see the stranger, didn't stop him. If they had seen the stranger, all of this could have been prevented. The stranger showed up just outside the gate to the gazebo one day. He was a middle-aged man with a very thin frame, and he was extremely tall. I would say six foot four. He wore this weird-looking broad-rimmed hat that looked more like a too-big frisbee than a hat. His clothes, from his hat to his boots, were all solid black. If it were nighttime, you probably couldn't see the guy at all. He'd be invisible, and that'd be just creepy. The stranger walked up to the gate, leaned on it, and watched the kids. You'd think one of us would have had the idea to report the stranger to the faculty, as obviously this was all kinds of wrong. A strange man watching kids during recess, that was all kinds of red flag. But no, instead we watched him from the distance, made our jokes about the guy, how he was a weirdo and creep, and continued our games of Foursquare, Basketball, and of course, Yu-Gi-Oh! There was this girl in my class. Her name was Judy. I always thought Judy was an old lady's name. Anyway, Judy was a peculiar girl. I never saw her playing with anybody during recess. Never saw her talking to anyone in the halls or in the classroom. Oddly enough, she was the first and only person to approach the stranger. One day during recess, she walked right up to him. I watched her, keeping my distance as usual. She began to talk to him, and they carried on a conversation for a while, talked together, and eventually, the stranger began bringing her gifts over the next couple of days. Gifts like candy bars, ice cream, popsicles, and toys. Every time he'd show up, 
Judy would go to greet him. They'd talk, and he would give her a gift. It all led up to the day when I saw him inside the fence. While he was talking to Judy one day, he jumped over. He knelt down in front of her. I saw him grab Judy's hand, and they kept talking and laughing together like nothing was weird or wrong with it. I was definitely weirded out, and now I could even say I was sickened. This wasn't normal. This wasn't right at all. What was wrong with a grown man that age that he wanted to spend so much time with her? A 13-year-old girl. And what was he, 40? Several of us decided it was time to tell the teachers. They obviously didn't care to watch us, so it was up to us to report this creepiness. We began to make our way to the doors, three of us. Yet, when we looked behind us, the man was now walking over. He knew what we were doing. Kick those New Year's resolutions into gear at Old Navy with up to 50% off all Old Navy Active right now. All your favorite active wear is on sale. From hoodies to sweatshirts to the new Elevate Legging with Power Soft Fabric. All Old Navy Active for the family is up to 50% off with styles starting at just 8 bucks for adults, 6 bucks for kids. But you better get moving. This deal won't last long. It ends soon at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1-2 to 1-9 excludes in-store clearance. Kick those New Year's resolutions into gear at Old Navy with up to 50% off all Old Navy Active right now. All your favorite active wear is on sale. From hoodies to sweatshirts to the new Elevate Legging with Power Soft Fabric. All Old Navy Active for the family is up to 50% off with styles starting at just 8 bucks for adults, 6 bucks for kids. But you better get moving. This deal won't last long. It ends soon at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1-2 to 1-9 excludes in-store clearance and he didn't like it. His face said it all. That stern, cold expression and eyes locked on me. It was absolutely horrifying. Seconds before we reached the doors, the alarm rang. The sound for the lockdown drill. The students on the playground stampeded inside, flooding into their classrooms. All the while, the stranger walked calmly still to the school doors. Before I knew it, I was back in our homeroom class, jam-packed crowded into the back of the classroom with the rest of my classmates under the shelves. We waited in silence, the teacher shushing us loudly every time we even dared to whisper to one another. But how could we not? We all had so many questions, and we were all scared for our lives. At one point, the hairs on the back of my neck stood up, because that was when someone jiggled the doorknob to the first door. Then I heard it at the second door. From my point of view, I couldn't see much, save for a black blur moving past the doors. He went back and forth, trying to open them repeatedly. Soon he stopped jiggling the knob and he spoke up. I just want Judy. Come on, Judy. Come out here. Let's go play together. Chills flooded my spine when I heard him. I looked to my right, and there was Judy. But instead of shaking and being scared like the rest of us, Judy was smiling. She seemed excited. 
It looked like she was wondering why she had to hide from her new friend. The teacher was making this waving hand gesture towards her, signaling her not to reply. But then Judy stood up and she began to walk over to the door. When the teacher saw this, she practically tackled Judy and Judy started to cry. This went on for 10 minutes, 10 minutes of psychotic pandemonium. And finally, the jiggling and sounds from outside stopped. The man was gone, and seconds later, the police were coming through the door. It was the craziest thing I'd ever experienced, and easily the creepiest. That man really wanted Judy. Obviously, with those gifts, he had been grooming her, conditioning her, basically brainwashing her to the point that when he was trying to get into our classroom for God knows what reason, she was chomping at the bit to go and unlock the door and possibly unleash hell onto all of us. I don't know if he had a weapon of any kind. I don't really know what he would have done if he had gotten into the classroom, but it's that not knowing that's so scary. I wonder what he was planning to do to Judy. Something tells me that his and Judy's story went on after this event, because the police never arrested the man, because he wasn't at the school when they showed up. Students, if you're ever at recess and you see a strange person walking up to you, alert the teacher as soon as possible, before he takes one of the children, before one of your best friends is never seen again. My Haunted Home and Haunted High School Submitted by Corndog I'm a very firm believer in the paranormal, and I have very good reasons for that. You see, my house was built a while ago, maybe 20 or so years ago. The main floor is simple, a living room and kitchen with a hallway and three bedrooms. From the kitchen you go downstairs where two of the incidents happened, another happened upstairs, and two more at my high school. I'm not entirely sure if they're related, but I'm honestly very afraid that whatever it is is attached to me and not the school and my house. When I was around eight years old, that's when the activity first began. I had a lot of Legos in my basement, and when I'd go to bed, I would set up the people in a scene. When I would come back down to the basement to play the next day, the people were moved, somewhere all the way across the room. It freaked me out a little bit, but I shrugged it off. I was too young to keep that in my mind for too long even though I knew for a fact that no one else had been down there. There were times I'd watch the door, after setting my Legos up, waiting for someone to go down there and mess with them. But even after no one went inside and I went back downstairs to the basement, the Legos would be moved. They'd still be upright, but it would look like someone had moved the little men and women to other places, as if someone had been playing with them besides me. I mean, if it was vibrations or an earthquake moving the toys, they would just fall over, not walk on their own across the room. Anyway, a year or so later, my brother Ronnie and I, we were playing war with our Lego people, 
when the lights in the room began to flicker. It wasn't just one light that flickered, though. That's what scared us. Every single light and electronic in the room flickered at the same time. Ronnie and I then ran upstairs, but we didn't go back down until we had toy swords with us. They made us feel safer. We even asked our mom and dad about the electrical issues, and they said that they had no idea what we were talking about. Apparently, it had only happened in the basement. The third incident at home happened over just six months ago. I'd gotten up at 4.45 in the morning to get some help for my chemistry class before classes started. I was eating some breakfast, and I was the only one awake in the house. Suddenly, I heard a small thumping coming from downstairs. I got a little freaked out and finished my breakfast quickly before fast walking back to my room. But when I go back to my room, I have to pass the basement door, and the closer I got to that door, the faster the thumping got. Because of that, I ran a little quicker, but I still couldn't go back to sleep because I was so freaked out. Later that same morning when I had to leave for school, I was walking out the door and I turned around to make sure all the lights in the house were off. They were, but in the dim sunrise light, I saw something. I saw a shadowy human figure standing on the far side of my kitchen and they were facing towards me. It was such a sudden sight, such a frightening one, that I slammed the door and ran to school. I wasn't about to go back in that house at the time, not with that shadowy thing standing there. That brings me to the happenings at my high school, because things couldn't just stop once I left my house. One day I was working set construction for our fall musical, and only three people were back there. Two were in the green room and one was on the stage. No one else was in that part of the school. I suddenly heard the metallic sound of footsteps on metal from above. Instinctively, I looked up, as anyone would have, and I swear to God I saw the same sort of shadowy figure pacing back and forth on the catwalk. I could see the details of every object around it, but to me, the form itself was nothing but a black silhouette. I ran to the loft to check the door, but it was still locked, and the only person who had a key was in the green room still. That means it was still just the three of us. If that was the case, then who or what did I see on the catwalk? Another experience is related to our costume closet. We refer to it as Narnia. The seniors always tell the incoming freshmen not to go into Narnia alone. Of course, when I was a freshman, I didn't listen, and during rehearsal I went up to Narnia and I went inside alone. I walked all the way to the back, where most of the activity is said to happen. You see, I didn't believe the stories people told, and I thought they were just trying to scare the freshmen. But I was about to learn the hard way because when the clothes started to move around me on their own, when I was in fact the only other person in there, I ran out nearly screaming. A year after that, after my disbelief had been abandoned, I went up with a friend and an infrared camera. I went all the way to the back of the costume room, back to Narnia, checking every single row of clothes along the way. 
nothing. I saw no one or nothing in there. I was disappointed but relieved at the same time. I began to walk back, and as I passed the second row, I felt a cold draft that hadn't been there before. I turned the camera around on infrared, and I picked up something horrifying. It was a blue figure directly across from me. As I glanced away from the camera into the direction of the room, there was no one there, but the camera very clearly showed a person in the room with me. I watched in horror on the camera as the blue figure raised its arm and pointed towards the exit, telling me silently that I had to leave. And you better believe that I listened. I ran out of there again as fast as I could. Thanks to these experiences, I don't think I can ever disbelieve in the paranormal. I know what I saw. I know what I felt. Either something is following me, or my house and school both happen to be haunted. I don't know which one is more horrifying. Open Gym Submitted by May This experience took place not too long ago for me. I'm an 18-year-old high school student, but I also work part-time for the city. I often work at different community centers and different lifeguard positions around town. At the time, I had been working at a local middle school, quite literally a few seconds away from my home. During the hours of 6.30pm and 9.30pm, the school gym is open to kids who want to come and play any sports. My job is to sit at the door, make sure that they sign in and provide school identification, so we can be assured that they are under 18. Well, I remember this day particularly well, because that morning I had woken up with the worst cold ever and had opted to stay home from school because I felt so bad. Now, by the time 6pm rolled around, I begrudgingly got up to get ready for work, not wanting to miss out on the opportunity to make a few bucks. This middle school I was not too familiar with, as I had just started the job only a few days before, and though I lived only a few seconds away, I had not gone to the school myself, so I arrived at the building and met up with my two other co-workers. The night usually goes as follows. One of us will sit outside the gym to assure that the kids sign in, and don't just wander around the rest of the school grounds. The remaining two will supervise the gym. As it so happens, that day was my turn to handle the sign-in desk. So I placed myself at the table, and I sat down to watch some Shane Dawson YouTube videos. Everything went as planned, and by the time 8pm rolled around, it was pretty dark outside. Two kids walked in, and they asked if it would be okay to go to their lockers, as one of them forgot to take their basketball shoes home. Now, the kids under no circumstances were allowed to go to any part of the school other than the gym and change rooms, so I told them so, and they dejectedly walked to the gym. I sat back down and returned to my videos. Only a few moments later, I watched them try and sneak around me to the lockers. So, inconvenienced, I got up and followed them to the main part of the school, ready to give them a good lecture. The school is situated in a way where the main hub of the school is where all the lockers are placed in rows, kind of like bookshelves in a library. So as I made my way past the rows, looking down each one to find those boys, I found them and told them that if they tried that again, I would have to kick them out. They once again dejectedly walked back to the gym, leaving me alone in the dark hallway of lockers. I gave a quick check to see if there was still anyone in the hallway and started to make my way back, when suddenly a loud thwack echoed and startled me. I freaked out. I assumed it was those boys trying to play a trick on me. So I very loudly sighed and called out, I know you're upset, but I don't make the rules. 
but no one answered. I stayed where I was because I had to make sure those boys weren't still wandering around or I could seriously lose my job. I walked around a bit. I even yelled hello out loud a few times. Still, no one answered. I grew a bit nervous and I was contemplating making a run back to my post. But then the noise sounded again. Once more, I jumped and I became extremely scared. I am naturally a scaredy cat and I just wanted to hightail it out of there. But before I could try to leave, something caught my attention. I could see a person in the classroom at the far end of the hall. I could not make out any features, but I saw a fairly tall black silhouette through the window of the door of the classroom. Now at this point, I was scared beyond belief, so all rationality was thrown out the window. I wanted to move, but I was paralyzed. I could see the figure slowly get close to the window. All the while, my heart was pounding wildly. Once it reached that window, it placed its palm on the glass. Now, if you know me, I'm as blind as a bat without my glasses. And even with its close proximity, I could not make out any features. I stood still, and I stared at it. Seconds started to feel like minutes, and then, finally, the locker next to me flew wide open, and it spooked me so much I flew down the hall and back to the gym. There, I bumped into my coworker, who had rightfully started to question why I was no longer at the desk. Embarrassed, I told her I'd just gone down to the washroom. She was a little bit skeptical, but she said okay and asked if I wanted to switch spots. I eagerly agreed. As I sat down in the gym with my heart still pounding, I looked around and I noticed the boys I had initially been reprimanding were in the gym engaged in a pretty intense game and therefore could not have been the ones messing with me. Eventually, being in the presence of so many other people started to calm me a little and I was able to think rationally. It could have been a janitor from the school in the classroom, but that would have been seriously strange considering he and I talk to each other every day. We know each other very well. If it was him, he would have come out and talked to me, or at least waved. Not only that, it doesn't quite explain the locker door just flying open, violently on its own. I still work there to this day, and nothing has happened ever since, but I still refuse to venture any deeper into that school than the athletic center. High School Submitted by Abby R. I was 15, severely depressed, staying in a residential psych facility for mental health. I wasn't like the other girls and boys at this treatment facility. I was quiet, shy, kept to myself. The other kids were loud and violent and had to be kept from other people because they would either fight someone or try to hurt them with whatever they could get their hands on. In this facility, you had to go to school in the same building you lived in. In my classroom, there were four girls, including myself, and eleven boys. The boys were all very violent and talked to themselves and were very paranoid. There was a guy named Jordan who I really liked, though. He didn't seem like the other boys. He seemed to be more like me, quiet, shy, reserved. We talked whenever we got the chance, because the boys and girls weren't allowed to interact until...
kick those New Year's resolutions into gear at Old Navy with up to 50% off all Old Navy Active right now. All your favorite active wear is on sale, from hoodies to sweatshirts to the new Elevate Legging with Power Soft Fabric. All Old Navy Active for the family is up to 50% off, with styles starting at just 8 bucks for adults, 6 bucks for kids. But you better get moving. This deal won't last long. It ends soon at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1-2 to 1-9 excludes in-store clearance. Breaks or lunchtime. Well, Jordan and I started talking every day. He was sweet, funny, and caring, or so I thought. He and I even began dating after a few weeks of getting to know each other. And that's when everything changed. Jordan became aggressive towards me when nobody was around. He would verbally insult me and make me feel terrible. It got to the point where he began to stalk me as well. One night in October of 2016, I was allowed to go around campus by myself and have some alone time for an hour and a half. After about 20 minutes of walking around campus, Jordan came out from behind a building and blocked my walkway. I asked what he thought he was doing and politely asked him to move so I could go on my way, but he refused. He then flat out accused me of cheating on him with my roommate who was a girl, and I didn't swing that way, so I denied his accusations. I didn't cheat on him, not even once. He pulled me behind the building and dragged me into the woods near the campus by my hair. Remember, I'm very quiet, so even then, I didn't want to scream. Just thinking about it made me feel embarrassed, but I did begin to beg and cry to let me go home. But oddly enough, what I was thinking was I'd be in trouble if I was out too late. And I'm the kind of girl who is really good in school, and I try to be a role model. As he pulled me further into the woods, he came to a stop. He pulled me up off the ground and asked me why I was there. I said I had no idea, sniffling and wiping tears from my face. What kind of person does something like this? He said I had sinned because I had a relationship with another girl, and because I had cheated. I swore to him that I never did, and I told him I don't like girls that way. He went behind a tree, then pulled out something. Jordan had been planning this. There was rope behind that tree. He shoved me to the ground and tied my wrists together, then tied me to the trunk of the tree. That's when I truly got scared. He was calling me the worst names while walking in circles around the tree. When he pulled out a knife from his back pocket, I finally had the courage to scream. Screaming for help, screaming for him to let me go, saying that I wouldn't tell anyone about this. But he said you can't trust sinners, and that they'll sin and sin again until they get what's coming to them. He walked up in front of me, lowered himself to my height on the ground. He began to raise his knife as he said, I'm sorry, but I have to do this. I screamed again, and just before the metal touched my skin, there was a flash of white and a few loud grunts. A staff member had tackled Jordan to the ground. He managed to pin Jordan down. Then he radioed two other staff members, who arrived in no time and escorted Jordan away. The staff member who had rescued me 
untied me from the tree, gently undid my wrists. While explaining to me what had happened, he said the staff had begun searching for me, stating that I had never been late to anything and that me not showing up somewhere at the right time was enough for them to go searching. And luckily, I had screamed right when the staff member had been walking by. He made it to me before I got hurt. As for Jordan, he ended up getting sent to a high-security psych ward far away. And from what I hear, he's going to be there for a very long time. It turns out he was in treatment for paranoia, and unhealthy obsessions. I wasn't his first taken victim. He had taken another girl before he was sent away, and had done the same thing that he did to me. They ended up dropping the criminal charges, giving him a sentence instead that involved mental help. I was soon discharged by my parents, and I'm back home now, but the damage has been done. Ever since, I've been unable to walk alone outside anymore, and I haven't dated anyone since. I think I'm going to be single for a while. You see, I find it nearly impossible to trust another person anymore. If I had a message to share, it would be to stay cautious while walking alone, and never blindly trust someone who you've only been dating for a short while. Creepy School Stalker Submitted by Hannah I was 16 years old. I was very shy and antisocial. I was in the 10th grade at the time, and I didn't really talk very much. One day in the first week of school or so, I was in tech class on my computer. They gave us some free time to do what we want so I was using a paint app, drawing cats or something along those lines, when suddenly our teacher announces a new project. We had to make a poster, but we would need a partner for this project. I never liked working with others, so I wasn't looking forward to it, and I had no idea who my partner would be. Apparently our teacher would be choosing our partners for us. He randomly chose this strange kid for me, he had a very stalkerish vibe to him, and honestly I felt a bit bad for judging him, based solely on his looks. He blankly stared at me when we sat down to start on the poster. I just shrugged it off, because I often got strange looks from people. They saw me as an outcast, and usually as long as I didn't have to interact with them, I didn't mind. But something about the way he looked at me, it didn't seem right not to mention the way he looked overall. He was a sloppy-looking person with stains all over him. He was about six feet tall, so he towered over me at five foot three. I tried to break the silence, tried to talk to him, saying what we should do about the poster, but he would just stare at me as I talked, only saying okay every now and then. When it was time for lunch, I rushed to the cafeteria, but he followed me. When I sat down to eat, he sat uncomfortably right next to me. I mean, it was so close our shoulders were touching. And when I scooted away from him, he just moved closer until we were touching again. 
and all the while he would look at me, breathing heavily through his mouth, and I could smell his horrible breath. After lunch, I lost him in the exiting crowd, but somehow he had beat me back to the classroom, and he was already waiting on me. He was still staring. After class, I began walking to my next one, when he stopped in front of me and asked, uh, Can I ask you something? I said, Okay, obviously weirded out and nervous. He then said, Would you be... Would you be my girlfriend? I stood there shocked. I barely knew the guy, and he asked the question in a demanding voice, as if it wasn't a question. I said politely, Sorry, but uh, no. Then I walked away quickly. I looked behind him to see him glaring at me, with this hostile, murderous gaze. To be honest, it scared me a little bit. I turned away quickly and went to my class. The next day, I saw him talking with some other kids. I heard him say that I was in fact his girlfriend. This upset me, so I walked up to him and yelled, Why are you lying like that? He just looked at me with a creepy grin, then walked away. The way he smiled, it gave me chills. Later on, I asked my friend about it, and she said to ignore him, to tell him off next time, and that I was just being paranoid. Luckily for me, though, the next day he wasn't at our tech class. I decided to ask one of the other students if he was sick or something like that, but the kid replied, No, he went to the counselor for a schedule change, I think. I said thanks, and I took my seat. The biggest wave of relief swept over me. Was he getting out of my class? After asking me out, he must feel too awkward to come back, I thought. It was over. I didn't have to deal with the strange guy anymore. At that moment, I didn't know how wrong I was. Because when I headed to my 8th period class, I saw him sitting in there. He had changed classes just so he could see me as often as possible. I was freaked out by this when I saw him, and I sat in my chair, trying to work and ignore him, but all I could do was think about what was going on. I thought, what kind of person would go to this level of stalking? Before I know it, he gets up from his chair and sits right next to me. During this class, our teacher decides to ask us to work in the hallway, what we were working on required a lot of room, and some of us were allowed to work in the hallway if we wanted to. I'm working out in the hallway of my classwork when I suddenly hear girls inside the class yelling angrily. I go to the door of the classroom, which is still open, and I peek inside. The same creepy kid is touching these girls, and one of them turned around and slapped him. Even still, he would just do it over and over. I run over to him and told him to stop, but he just turns, and he makes that creepy smile again. He walks right over to me, and he does something I never even saw coming. He grabs me by the shoulders and forces me to kiss him. I try to pull away, but he bites my lip, and as I yank away from him, I feel this overwhelming sting coming from my lip. 
Once I struggle free, I punch him as hard as I can in his face. He falls to the ground, but he's still smiling up at me. I run to the creature, holding my mouth, and I tell her everything that happened. She rushes over and grabs the guy, then practically drags him to the principal's office. He was suspended for just a week, but when he came back, he was silent. He stared at me with a creepy smile as always. One day after school, I was walking to the front exit when I see him following me from a distance. I tried to ignore him, and I kept walking. When I was outside walking away from the school towards my home, I turned a corner, looked back over my shoulder, only to see him following me still. When I began to walk faster, he does the same, keeping pace with ease. I'm starting to panic because it's getting dark outside fast, and there was no telling what this crazy guy would do if it got dark. Better yet, I wouldn't be able to keep an eye on him. So I decide to go to the first place I can that might have people in it. Some place I can get help, or at least feel safe. I see a store, and I walk inside heading into the bathroom. I lock myself in a stall for about 15 to 20 minutes, but my phone was dead, so I couldn't call my family for help. Eventually, when I get my courage back up, I poke my head out of the bathroom, and I begin to cautiously make my way outside. I was only a few steps out the door when I saw his creepy face peeking out at me from behind a tree. I try to make a break for it, running full speed all at once, but before I can run past him, he steps out in front of me, forcing me to come to a stop. I just blew up on him. I yelled, What do you want with me? My heart was pounding, but he replied, I need to show you something. He points to the ditch behind the same tree he was at. I can clearly see that there is rope sticking out from behind it. My blood turns to ice. I say to him, No thanks, you creep. But he keeps trying to persuade me to come back there. I say no again but this time he begins to walk closer to me. I shove him and bolt down the sidewalk. Now I was looking for anyone else, any other people or cars, but there's no one on the streets, no one I can run to. The kid is screaming behind me and chasing me. I turn around another corner to see my mom driving down the road. I never believed in miracles more than that moment. I run into the middle of the road forcing her to stop, and I get inside her car. She's panicked and worried. I can see the expression on her face, but I just tell her to hightail it down the road. She had come looking for me because I was late getting home, and all I could do was hug her and cry into her shoulder as she drove. I am forever grateful to my mother. When I got back to the school the next day, the kid was gone. I didn't see him there for the rest of the year. It was later on that I learned what happened to him. The same night he followed me, he had went to the park and kidnapped a young girl. He tried to hide her in an old rent house, but he was caught and now he's in juvie, also thanks to a bunch of drug charges he apparently had. When they questioned him about his kidnapping, 
he admitted something that made my blood run cold. He said he only kidnapped that girl because he couldn't get me. God, I hope I never see him again. School Power Outage Submitted by Kinsey This is a short story, but it was scary enough to keep me out of the bathrooms or to avoid empty rooms in my school alone. It happened about two years ago that the power in our school cut out for about an hour or so. Me and my friends were at lunch eating when my friend Haley got up to use the bathroom. After a couple of minutes, she came back to our table, silent. She ate her lunch and tried to stay quiet. Finally, I asked her what was wrong. She said that when she went to the bathroom, she heard a stall door shut and there was no other noises. If someone had entered the bathroom, she would have heard the heavy door open and shut, but she hadn't heard it. And there wasn't anyone in there when she had come in, so how did the other stall door shut? When she was done, she got up and used the Germex that was provided since the electric was out. As she was doing so, she saw someone in the corner of her eye. She saw what seemed to be a black figure moving along the side of the doors behind her. She ran out fast. She came back quiet, and then she finally told me. After that, I went to the bathroom the next day. After I was getting out of the stall, I heard a loud bang, which made me sprint out of the stall and down the hall back to my class. I thought twice about ever going back to that bathroom. Quarter Mile Left by Dwayne Payne This story is an old one, but will stick with me for as long as I live. I'll do my best to keep my writing short and to the point. This happened when I was around 10 years old. I should have been in the fourth grade, I believe. I'm 36 now, so it was a while back. I lived in Washington State in a city called Tacoma. This all starts when I woke up for school one day and realized I was going to be late for the bus. I rushed to get dressed and sprinted out the door for the bus stop. No time for breakfast, but I managed to get there just in time to see it pulling away, leaving me standing there, shouting a curse for my bad luck. I had to walk that day, and it was at least two miles away so I thought I'd better get moving. If I was late for school, I'd be in a world of trouble. I had a very strict religious mother, but that's a different horror story. I ran full speed as far as I could before I doubled over catching my breath. I forced myself to walk, but I walked as fast as I could as well. But after a moment, my left leg began cramping up, so I was forced to take it easy. I was making good time, though, and I could make it to school around the time the bell rang, but I had to keep up the pace. When I was about halfway there, I began to relax, realizing that I would make it in time, and that there was nothing to worry about. Now, Tacoma is a pretty scary place for a child. The roads can be busy one moment, then empty the next, even this early in the day. That never bothered me when I was younger. I never thought of it as dangerous, anyway, just weird. Soon I was pretty close to the school, and I noticed that the roads were empty. No cars or people coming or going. No one outside walking around. I'm literally the only living or moving thing on the road. 
It was just then that I noticed I was wrong. There was, in fact, a gray Buick coming up the road behind me. I was expecting the Buick to quickly pass me, but they didn't. In fact, they slowed down almost like they were matching my speed. I told myself I was being paranoid, that they were probably looking for an address or a certain turn, right? But my stomach was doing flips over this person behind me, so I thought to myself I'll take a ride at the next light and see if they turned with me. By then I'd be sure if I was being followed, so I did just that, and they turned with me. I knew he was hunting me now, whoever was in this Buick, and I'm still about five blocks away from school, and now I was walking away from my path because of my little test. I was stupid, I thought. I had basically trapped myself for him. The car was pulling up closer now, nearly skimming the curb. Then the car door opens on the driver's side. It opens slowly, as if he's trying to be as quiet as possible. I can't help but look at the man as he steps out, but I see no man. Either he was amazingly short, or he crouched under his door so that I couldn't see him. Either way, it was especially odd. I can see his feet under the car door. I see them move to the trunk. Just as I see a silhouette coming out from behind the open trunk, a figure of a man pulling gloves onto his hands. Someone opens the door to their house on this side of the road. To my surprise, it's a woman and a baby of maybe two years old. They start walking down the street, so I walk slowly behind her. She takes a moment to notice me behind her, and when she looks at my face, I mouth the words, Help! She notices the Buick following me as well, as the man had already gotten back in the car and was once again keeping pace with me. As she realizes what's going on, I can see her face twist into fear. Obviously, she's afraid for her child, so she quickly picks up the little girl and dashes for the house next door to hers and gets inside, leaving me alone with the car again. What am I going to do now? I thought, I still have five blocks to go, and he's ready to hop out and just chase me, I can feel it. I was beginning to think it was game over for me. I decided, the moment he gets out, I'll take off at a full run, and start running and jumping through people's yards to make it even harder for him. And who knows, maybe I'll find someone to help me. My eyes were watering in tears, and suddenly... I hear the man's car door open again, and as soon as I hear that, I take off as fast as I could. I suppose he saw me running, as I heard a gruff man's voice behind me yell. I throw myself over the first fence I come to, and I run like I want to live, because I do, of course. I run three solid blocks on just adrenaline alone, freaked out, because I can feel him coming after me. I don't see or hear him at the moment, but that's good. Maybe I've already lost him. I can see my school now, and a few kids making it just in time to get inside. Then I hear the bell ring, and the remaining kids run to not be late. I try to run too, but I'm almost burned out at the moment, from the Buick driving psycho. Just as I reach the street literally by our school field, the Buick pulls out in front of me 
cutting me off from getting on school grounds. I realize he knew where I was going, so he was able to cut me off easily. It's all over now, I tell myself. This is it. He's going to take me and do what he wants. God knows what that might be. I can't outrun him either. I'm exhausted. I turn away from the school and cry frantically. I try to move quickly, but it's no use. I hear his car door open, and I hear his heavy footsteps. But then he suddenly yells, and a car squeals to a halt behind me. I turn around, and there's a blue vehicle pulling up. The door opens, and a woman, the woman who I saw before, who had pulled her daughter inside a neighbor's house, was telling me to get in now. I hop in her car, then she floors it. I cried so hard. I was finally safe. The most horrifying experience of my life was over. Thank God. God bless this woman for saving my life that day. When I was in that car, more relieved than I have ever felt, I looked at her like some sort of guardian angel. The woman drove me to a police station and helped me get in touch with my parents as I was still crying like a fool. On the news that same day, a description of the man and his Buick were given. And that's as far as I know. I never learned if he was caught or anything. I kind of shoved it all out of my mind after that because it was so traumatizing. But I do know that he didn't get me and he was wanted by the state after that. I'm so glad that woman came back to save me. My First Boyfriend Submitted by Lay It was the end of my sophomore year of high school, and I was going through a phase. You see, I was a stereotypical good girl. No drinking or anything of the sort. Leader of school clubs, an athlete. You get the picture. I basically just went to school, then practiced and worked on the weekends. But then, I started seeing this guy. Isn't that how all these stories start? Meeting someone crazy. I thought he was really smart, and I kind of ignored all the red flags that he showed. He had liked me for two years, apparently, and had been trying to get me to go out with him for nearly that long. I finally said yes to him one day, after a group of our friends hung out and watched movies at his place. The whole time, he was making unwanted advances. At one point, all of us were going upstairs. I tried to follow the group, but he grabbed me from behind, threw me onto the couch, and kissed me. I was so upset that I left crying in my best friend's car. I'm an idiot. That should have shown me who he was. But I was young, and that was the first time a guy had shown that much interest into me. So, due to my really low self-esteem, which I think he knew about, I took his irredeemable actions as a flattering gesture, and I said yes when he asked me out. I know, stupid, stupid, stupid. This was all happening during the time my parents were split up. I lived with my mother who worked reliably long days. We also lived in the crappiest apartments in town and were completely broke. I didn't even have a bed, just a mattress on the floor. When we started dating, I had hours of free time that I did not want to spend there. So he would pick me up in his truck 
and we'd hang out at his house. It started off fine, but he'd begin pressuring me to go to his room, just to cuddle, he'd say. I refused. I should have ended it right there and told him to take me home. But I didn't. He picked me up and carried me to his room, where he slammed me on his bed and started to take off my clothes. I tried to make a run for it, but he was quick to get in my way. He smiled at me. Freaking smiled. I could tell he thought this was a game, that no matter how much I denied his advances, it only made him more excited. I tried to get past him again, but he was stronger than me. There was nothing else I could do. Afterwards, he left the room for a bit, and when he came in, he didn't understand why I was so sad and crying. But I stayed with him, because I thought that he was the only guy I could get. So that was my life for the next few months. To try to cover the pain, I started drinking, smoking, trying to find as many vices as I could to cover up the guilt I felt. Eventually, my parents got back together at the beginning of my junior year. We all moved into a pretty big house, and we had money again. Things were looking up, but my boyfriend was still as manipulative and blamed me for most of his problems. He would control who I was friends with, what I wore, where I went. He even broke up with me a few times because I was talking to people I shouldn't be or didn't give him enough attention. But he was my whole world at the time, and I didn't want him to leave. I gave him that power over me, and I began to think that everything was actually my fault. Everything really fell apart when he and I were hanging out with a friend of his at his house. He took me upstairs again, but this time his friend followed. He wanted to watch us, and my boyfriend wanted to let him... I finally lost it. Everything I'd been feeling, suppressing, it just exploded. He had never seen me so angry, and he made his friend leave. After we were done, we all went back downstairs to chill, but his friend kept eyeing me the whole time. I was uncomfortable, and I made that known to my boyfriend. He suggested that we all go outside and smoke so I could loosen up a bit. We came back in and his friend pinned me face down on the couch. I screamed and cried, and tried to get him off of me, but I couldn't. My boyfriend's living room downstairs had a small guest room attached to it, and the worst part was that the closet doors were mirrors. I could see myself being helpless in the mirrors, and it made it all the more worse and horrifying. They eventually took me home past my curfew, and I of course got in trouble with my parents. I cried myself to sleep, and in the following months I became a terrible and depressed person, smoking more, skipping class and practice, acting terrible to my parents and anyone I met. They stole my smile from me, and I generally didn't care about life anymore. Eventually, he finally broke up with me, and for the last time, and I had never felt more free. I finally walked away from my first and most toxic relationship. I'm 18 now, a couple of months away from graduation. Unfortunately, I see him and his friend all too often at school. 
I can't seem to go anywhere without reliving my biggest nightmares. But I look forward to leaving and going off to college, so I'll never have to see either of them again. I'm happy to say and know that despite the power they thought they had over me, they never broke my spirit. I'm going to accomplish my dreams, be happy, truly happy, while they wallow in guilt, toxicity, and fade away in a nihilistic lifestyle. The Creepy Classmate Submitted by Shadia Demon I always thought I lived in a nice neighborhood, in a town where the worst person you could meet was someone with a twisted sense of humor and nothing more. Well, that's what I thought until my junior year of high school. My algebra class was filled with different kinds of people, despite it being a small class. There were the girls who care more about selfies than doing their work. There were the goth guys who were pretty chill when you got to know them. Then there were the rebellious guys who were always late to class. I didn't fit into any of these groups. I'm more of a tomboy and I don't see myself as a superficial person, like many of the girls at our school. And neither did Tank. Tank was a boy who, at the time, I felt he was the only person in that class I could actually get along with. The only person that understood me. I just didn't get along well with the other people. He was really good at math, too. So whenever I was stuck on a problem, or I missed how to do a problem in class, I always knew Tank would help me out. When we did big group projects... He was always my go-to guy, even if I knew what we were doing. But when we were done with our work, we would talk about anything we liked. And that's how I found out we had a lot in common. We loved creepypasta for one thing. But his biggest passion seemed to be talking about weapons and how much he knew about them. I didn't really see this as a red flag, because there are people out there who are into weapons like guns and swords people who would never imagine hurting other people. But as he talked about weapons, that's when I should have been listening to his red flags. Sometimes Tank would talk about how he could use a pencil as a weapon, how you could stab people with it. Two things I vividly remember him saying are, it's ironic, weapons aren't allowed at schools, yet so many things here can be used as weapons. He looked at me and gave me this smile and said, Anything can be used as a weapon. The latter was very true, but me being stupid, I brushed it off. I was thinking he wanted to brag about some things he heard on TV or something. Another red flag of his that I apparently ignored was how Tank talked about his grandmother who lived with them. He always complained about how she was lazy and never did anything but watch TV. All the while, she told Tank to do things that she could have easily done herself, like get her water and make her food every time she was thirsty or hungry. And he admitted to me. He said to me he wanted to kill her. But idiotically, I sympathized with him, and I thought his want to kill her was just exaggerated. Still, this wasn't the worst thing about this twisted individual. 
What I should have taken note of, but didn't, was when he said he would love to destroy the school itself. It did unnerve me a little bit, but I didn't take the hint. Before I go on, I need to say this. If you're a student, and anyone says they want to hurt someone or destroy the school, even if you hate the place with a burning passion, you need to tell an adult. Even if the place is filled with teachers and students who could care less about you, please let someone know someone is intending violent behavior before things get worse. Don't be like I was. Don't simply brush it off. Later on, as my junior year was mere months away from ending, I began to notice that Tank had stopped showing up at class. At first, I thought he'd gotten sick, but as the days passed by, he never showed up. Soon, I was approached by a man from the dean's office, who I'll call Mr. Baldwin. Now, this man was outgoing, but he was a very serious man still. Nobody messed with him unless they were students who stupidly thought they were better than everyone else. He took me into his office, which scared me because I thought I screwed up at something. Because, as you can tell, screwing up is what I do best. Mr. Baldwin told me I wasn't in trouble, but he did have some very important questions to ask me. He asked me if Tank told me that he had plans to take down the school. And at that moment... Everything hit me like a Japanese bullet train. I told Mr. Baldwin that he did, but I never thought he would actually harm someone. I could feel my heart pounding in my chest when I told him this. After a few more questions, he sent me back to class. I later heard that Tank got suspended from school, and he would be in juvenile detention after harming an old woman and robbing her with another student. I also learned that Tank had a stockpile of guns and ammunition in his home, items that his family didn't know he had. I really hope that Tank is getting the help he really needs, but I also hope he stays far away from other people, because I honestly believe that we narrowly dodged a school shooting. Clown Catastrophe Submitted by Grayson B. This took place around the time those clowns were making headlines across the country. I lived in Kentucky, where the clown group was supposed to be, or a clown group. It all started at night when I was lying in bed, chatting with my friends on Uvu. We were talking about the creepy clown incidents, and how all this crap was probably fake. It was either set up and planned, or it was just people trying to get attention, not actually dangerous. Then another friend tuned in, and informed us that cops were just at their local Walmart, about three minutes away from my house. He said that there was a clown there, that he had a weapon, and was firing at people. I didn't believe him. The next morning... I woke up, and I saw the news. Someone actually had gone down to the local Walmart and shot the place up. As I kept watching, apparently, and this is the creepy thing, he was found wearing a clown costume. My mom told me not to worry about it, that it was all fake news, that they were probably blowing out of proportion, and it was nothing more than a kid trying to scare people in a clown costume 
If he did have a weapon, it was probably a plastic and realistic looking one, but that wouldn't be as shocking to put on the news. I wasn't sure what to think about that. I went to school and met up with my friends, and while we were there, we ended up talking about what had happened, and we all had chills. The school day went on normally, until fourth period. Fourth period was my favorite class, because it was with Kobe and Jack. All of us were talking about the clowns, then our teacher caught us and told us to stop talking about it, because we could incite a panic, according to him. Even after the bell rang and we tried to go to the next class, the teacher pulled us aside and told us that we shouldn't be talking about things like that, that we didn't know what we were talking about. It was weird how freaked out he was just for us mentioning it. Anyway, we moved on to our next classes as usual. It was in one of these classes that I received a text from my friend Jack. It read, Come to the bathroom. We need to talk about something. I asked my teacher if I could use the bathroom, and he approved. I met Jack there. He looked stunned. He said he got a text from one of his close friends at another middle school about five minutes away. He showed it to me. Dude, we're on full lockdown, it said. People saw clowns in the schoolyard. Just then, as we were reading this freaky text, the intercom came to life, stating that we were now on lockdown. Me and Jack looked at each other, horrified. Immediately, we sprinted to the nearest classroom. The hallways were empty, and the classroom doors were locked. We put our faces to the window and screamed and pounded on the door. Luckily, the teacher saw us as she was situating the kids in the back of the class away from the windows. We had definitely scared them, but she unlocked the door and let us in. We went to the back of the class with everyone else, and we tried to take our mind off of things. Most of us were on our phones playing games or something. Others were panicking and asking the teacher loads of questions. That's when she confirmed that the other school was in fact on lockdown as well. This was real. Psychos were invading our schools. We waited there, in silence and fear, for what felt like eternity. But soon and suddenly, we began hearing screaming coming from outside the classroom door. Then there was another stranger sound, like a squeak from a squeaky toy. The doorknob to the classroom began to jiggle, and then it stopped, as if whoever was outside had given up. About fifteen minutes later, we were escorted out of the school by cops, fully armed. Waiting on us were some extremely worried and many tearful parents. I never figured out who or what was outside the door, and I can only assume it was one of those creepy, psychotic people in a clown costume. Weeks later, police found an Instagram page with pictures of my school from the date of the lockdown. This had apparently been planned by a group of people. No one had been hurt, but the fact that they wanted to get in the classroom meant that they were looking for students and what they were going to do with them if they did find them. I have no idea, but it couldn't have been anything good. Almost Taken by Shannon I am a 16-year-old girl, and I'm 5'2". 
This experience happened to me only a couple of days ago as of writing this. It was spring break, and I went on a trip with my teacher and a friend from school for a robotics trip in Denver. The first three days there were no problems. Everything was going great, and we had a great time working together and meeting new people from other towns and schools and states. When we arrived, we got the place set up for the competition on the first two days, and on Saturday we helped to take it down. On the last day that we were there, after all the games were over, one of the teams stayed to help us clean up and take everything apart, which I greatly appreciated, and it helped cut the time in half. Around 9 p.m. they left for the night, and the rest of the volunteers stayed to help. At around 10.30 p.m., most of the volunteers went home, so by then it was only a few of us and the people who were driving the trucks to take the parts for the games. As we were finishing up, I started getting a strange feeling like someone was watching me. As I looked around the area, I saw one of the truck-driving men looking at me. He gave me the up-down, making my heart skip a beat in a nervous way. I got cold all over. The man was probably in his early thirties, and he had a long red-brown beard. He was easily over six feet tall. Thinking since I was in a big city, maybe he was just trying to figure out if he knew me or not, so I ignored it at first. Within the next half hour, I kept getting that bad vibe. I looked over again, and the two of us made eye contact. Awkwardly, I smiled, and the look on his face, uh, it was almost sinister. We kept working, and I started feeling sick. I wanted to find my teacher so that I could ask if I could go get some water. As I was walking around looking for my teacher, I was no longer paying attention to the strange man. Apparently, he had moved, because I ended up accidentally running into the guy. Before I knew who it was, I had said, I'm so sorry I wasn't looking. But when I looked up and saw him, I was petrified. He gave me the same creepy, sinister expression as before, then slowly and only eventually said, Oh, it's quite all right, beautiful. You know, you're very pretty. How old are you? I was taken so off guard that I felt like screaming. I was scared, especially after the way he talked to me. I politely replied that I was only sixteen. Keyword only there. I tried to walk away after that, but the guy, with his massive arm and grisly hand, grabbed me by my arm and said, No, no, you look plenty old, but you know... I do like younger girls. At that point, I was sickly pale, I I'm sure of it, and I was screaming in my mind. I looked up at him and forced a little laugh, hoping he was just joking, and walked away. When I was walking to get a drink, I saw him following me up the stairs, and that's when I started running. I didn't realize he was behind me when I was getting a quick drink and planned to turn right around and run down the other set of stairs. As I was turning around, just as I was getting ready to run, 
as I hadn't fully taken off just yet. The man grabbed me and pinned me against the wall, covering my mouth. Then he began to kiss my neck, whispering about how beautiful he thought I was and how he didn't want me to be scared of him. I was scared anyway, and angry that he thought he could force himself onto me like he did. I bit his hand as hard as I possibly could, and I kneed him in the crotch. I slipped under his arms to run away. He angrily grunted and tried to grab at me again and ended up pulling my hair, but he lost his grip. I sprinted down the stairs, skipping three steps at a time. Once I reached the floor, I sprinted over to my friend, who was just about to go looking for me because they were ready to go. She was heading out the door when she saw my eyes tearing up and asked me what had happened. I didn't want to be there another moment, so I told her I was just tired. My eyes were hurting, yeah, that's all. Then we left. Nobody truly knows what happened to me that night besides myself. The only thing I have to say is, you need to be careful when you're in a new place, and don't go anywhere alone. I Knew Submitted by Chris Let me begin by saying, I am a student of Hug High School in Reno, Nevada. I'm a freshman, and now I've grown to know exactly what goes down at this school. The area I live in is very ghetto and race-oriented. I'm of German descent and I'm very light-skinned. The people at my school are mostly colored, and kids like myself were often seen differently. A lot of false things are being spread, and I want you all to heed my every word of what happened wholeheartedly. This is from the perspective of a student, not of the media or the county. Now let's get right into these events. I was Sea House, which is downstairs from the library, and I was chilling with my friends. I saw this kid, Logan, walking up the stairs towards the library alone, which was odd, but I showed my friend, and he said he was probably meeting up with some of his. Now, let me tell you about Logan. I used to be seated next to him in P.E. during roll call, and let me tell you, he's not a sweet kid. Logan is very cocky. He's the type that would threaten you if you laughed at him when he missed a shot in basketball, instead of taking it in stride. He had an older brother named Devin. Devin had problems with one of my friends who was a junior, and they'd fought before. I wouldn't call it a win for anybody, but if I had to say, it would seem that my friend came out on top. That's how the rest of the school saw it too. So Devin and Logan didn't like that very much. They didn't take too kindly to whoever hung around the guy that messed up his brother. Logan began to intensively stare at my other friend. It was creepy and disheartening. When we asked a mutual friend why Logan was acting like that, he simply said he didn't like how my friend looked back at him and wanted to fight. My friend had no problem with this, but he knew they wouldn't play fair this time, and he knew that they would come together instead of one-on-one, -on -one, so he held himself back this time. Anyway, the bell rang, and it was around 11.25. I walked into Bee House, said my goodbyes to the friends I was hanging with, then me and another friend started making our way to across the hall, where our class was. About halfway to our door, I hear people running outside and think nothing of it, as many of the kids in our school are a wild bunch. 
The next thing I know, my second period math teacher is screaming at the kids to get in our room. She's throwing kids that pass by inside, as if we're going to get shot up or something. She pulls the two of us in as well. Now she gathers about 30 kids in all, and she's yelling at us to sit down in the corner of the room and to not say a word. A common term for this kind of lockdown was Code Red, and I didn't have a phone on me at the time, so I honestly thought there was some armed student out for blood walking amongst our school ground. Me and my friend tried to distract ourselves as quietly as possible, nervously trying to make conversation with each other. We sat there in the dark corner of the room, away from the door window, for not one, not two, not even three, but four freaking hours. The kids with cell phones began to piece things together by what they were seeing on Snapchat and on Facebook, but the school kept everyone else in the dark. My teacher said that the county had finally made an official statement, and she began to pass around her tablet, which showed an email from the Washoe County Police that had been sent to all the teachers. All the while, everyone was frantically texting and emailing other teachers and friends and parents, trying to get updates. Even to this day, when I look back on this experience, I have no idea why they kept us out of the know for so long. All anyone would tell us was an incident happened at Hug High School, and it is still under a code red lockdown. After about three hours or so, we started hearing commotion outside our classroom, yelling and running footsteps. Keep in mind, this whole time I was sweating in my ROTC uniform as I was making up the inspection I had missed the day before. Suddenly, the door handle began to shake. Someone was trying to get inside. Then we hear a clattering metallic sound. It's more subtle than the door handle shaking. It was someone using a key. Then a very loud yell comes right before the door is kicked open, and three men with weapons point their guns at me as I was the closest to the door. They screamed at us, Get your hands up now! As they entered, and they seemed very pleased that we were students. I almost died of a heart attack right there, despite my age, until I finally saw who they were. There was an officer with a handgun, another officer with a shotgun, and a younger-looking man with a rifle with a bulletproof jacket that read FBI. Everyone let out their own noises of relief, yelps and screams and cries. Everyone was so happy when we realized that we could go home. But not just yet. It actually took a couple more hours after this until we got to leave. Later I found out that there was supposed to be a second accomplice that was seen armed at the school. As we walked outside the building, we saw around 20 armed cops all around the place, and there were 10 FBI agents inside. We left the building and saw hundreds and hundreds of worried parents swarming at the gates, held back by cops and a SWAT team. Apparently, one of the students had been stabbed, and I couldn't help but think about his mom or dad was waiting out there, waiting for a child that wouldn't turn up as he was presumably taken to the hospital in critical condition. Soon we finally learned the full story. That day, just as I had left the library, Logan walked inside the library, set down his bags, and pulled out two seven-inch knives. He stabbed someone and tried to stab other people before an officer told him to drop the weapons, and he refused. And well, they shot him in the stomach. I don't blame this officer. I think he did what he was supposed to. 
The kid was endangering everyone's lives, and unfortunately, so many people blamed the cop. A lot of my friends were watching this event. They gave their own details about this kid when he was in his frenzy. They said that he was like a shark that had tasted blood and wanted more no matter the cost. There is a video of this event online, but I must warn you that it is graphic. You can see Logan writhing on the ground after being shot. It's been six months since the incident, and my condolences go out to the kids affected, especially to the child who was stabbed by this crazed maniac of a student. The father was aware that his son brought knives to school, and just said, he, he told us he was going to get jumped. He said he needed protection for himself. But little did he know that he pulled those weapons out next to three school police posts and in the most open part of the school. He may have told his parents a different story, but at our school, he wasn't being bullied. He was the bully. I knew the kids he pulled knives on at first, and they didn't even know him prior to this incident. He wasn't going to get jumped. He was planning on killing people. He wanted to kill as many students as he could. And no matter how aggressive and angry he acted before this, no one could have saw it coming. Creep at My Middle School by Kramer I was 16 years old when this happened. At the end of school one day, I had to talk with my PE teacher. My school lets out at 4 p.m. every day, and I went to my teacher around half past four. I played a lot of sports and had a very good relationship with my teacher, so we're close friends, basically. The classroom itself is halfway underground. There are windows at the sides, and you can see people's legs from there as they walk around outside. Around 5 p.m., I noticed a man behind the gate of our school from one of these windows, and he was staring right at us. I mentioned this to my teacher, asking her, isn't that weird? And she simply said that it was probably nothing. Around 10 minutes later, I looked out the window again and saw that he was still staring. I again mentioned this to my teacher, so we went outside to ask him if he was alright or if he needed anything. I didn't recognize the guy, and I'd lived in that small town all my life so it was strange. She didn't know him either, and had never seen him before. Anyway, after we asked him if there was something wrong, he simply kept staring. He was creeping me out, especially because I was afraid he was some criminal friend my father knew. My father was involved in a lot of shady things. The man began whispering right in front of us, but we couldn't make out what he was saying. I told him to speak up, as we couldn't hear him. He then got closer to the fence as we both leaned in, and then he screamed in our ears, screaming that we were the crazy ones, not him. He yelled it ten times when I walked away while still looking at me. We went back into the gym and continued our conversation, trying to ignore what had just happened with the freaky man. By 5.30, I said my goodbyes to the teacher. I got on my bike and began my ride home. It wasn't bad because it was only an eight-minute ride, so I wasn't worried. About two minutes into my ride, I saw the same man standing beside the road. But oddly enough, he wasn't looking at me this time. But after I passed him, 
I began to hear footsteps rapidly approaching me from behind. I turned around, and I saw the man running after me. It was too late. Before I knew it, he had a hold of my bike, so I had to stop. The guy struck me in the face extremely hard, causing me to fall off the bike and onto the ground. As I lay there dizzy, feeling where I'd been hit, he screamed in my ear again. I was so dumbfounded, I couldn't quite tell what he was screaming. But who knows, considering he was crazy. When I got back up, I shoved him as hard as I could, causing him to release my bike. I got back on and rode as fast as I could before he could catch up with me. He may have been skinny, but he hit like a train, and there's no telling what he would have done to me if I would have stayed on the ground even a bit longer. When I got home, I told my best friend about the incident, and I told my mother about what happened with my face. She wanted to get in the car with me and go find the guy, and to teach him a lesson, but I definitely didn't want to see him again. So we kept the house locked up tight. Several days later, I was burning up in my room, so I opened my window a smidge. But literally, the moment I opened it, I heard footsteps just outside my bedroom, so I shut it. But my dog was barking like crazy at something he had heard outside. Between his barking and the sounds I'd heard, I was so paranoid I wanted to go downstairs to check the living room door, just to be sure it was locked. Just as I went downstairs, I looked out the front window from the stairs, and I saw a face of a ragged old man peering into our home. It was him. We made eye contact. After smiling, he took off full speed away from the house. I immediately called my mom, who called the cops, and they patrolled the neighborhood looking for this strange guy. I never saw him again, thankfully, but I know he's out there because the police report did not lead to an arrest. People are unpredictable. Bandroom Ghost Submitted by Raven R. It was October of 2016 when this happened. I was in the sixth grade, and I was in band. I was walking to my second class for the day. The class started off normally, until we heard something. It came from over the intercom. This is a school lockdown drill, Mr. F said from the speakers. The band teacher told the class to hide in the back. The band teacher turned off the lights as me and a friend went to the back and hid in the low brass area. Nothing happened at first, nothing really noticeable. My friend Lizzie was next to me. I suddenly felt something cold touch me. It was like ice on my skin. Dude, stop. Your hands are freezing, I said, thinking it was her. It's not me, Lizzie said. I'm not even touching you. I saw she had her phone out, and she was holding it with both hands. I rolled my eyes. She was probably playing a trick on me, trying to spook me in the silence of the classroom. Even though they're drills, these lockdowns really creep us out. But then I felt the hand again. This time, it was more than just a touch or poke. The entire palm and fingers of the icy hand were on my skin. I wanted to scream, 
but I just barely managed to keep it in. Lizzie looked over at me. She told me not to touch her, and I told her I didn't do anything, meaning both of us were feeling something touching us. As I said that, something towards the computer caught my eye. I looked over at it. As I looked, I felt fear rush over me, and I wanted to run. There was a silhouette standing next to the computer. It vaguely resembled a girl, five foot two in height. As I looked at her, or it, I suddenly felt more freezing cold hands all over my body, dozens of them. Just as I was about to let out a scream, the intercom sounded, and Mr. F said that the drill was over. The lights came back on, and the icy, cold, painful, stinging sensations went away. There was no longer a shadowy figure by the computer, and I was left there wondering what the heck just happened. My ex tried to end me. Submitted by Trey. This happened when I was 17 years old. I grew up in Texas, specifically Brazoria County, and I was a junior in high school. I was one of those socially awkward types of people. That school year, I had the first period lunch, so one day during lunch, I noticed a girl at the end of one of the tables. She never sat with anybody, and I noticed that no one ever talked to her. I don't know why, but I felt inclined to talk to her. Maybe I felt bad for her, or maybe I could empathize with her situation. Anyway, I went over to her table and introduced myself, and we began talking. Her name was apparently Kelly, and her mother worked in the school kitchen. Kelly was quite beautiful. She was five foot six and very slim. After a while, I asked if she had minded me sitting down with her, but she just smiled and said it was okay. We talked for the remaining 20 minutes of our lunch period. Then we began sitting together and talking a few days after that. And soon, she asked me if I wanted to go out with her. My brain went a hundred miles per hour. I said yes. We made plans later for that day. Kelly was a senior, so I thought it was kind of cool to date someone a year older than me. We ended up going to the movies around 7.30pm. About halfway through the movie, she began putting her hand on me, which was okay with me, by the way. Keep in mind that at the moment, there were people all around us in the movie theater, and this was the first time we had ever gone out like this. So, when Kelly suddenly grabbed me inappropriately out of nowhere, not even trying to be subtle about it, it took me by surprise and I pushed her hand away from me. I mean, of course I was attracted to her, but this was our first date, and we were in public. There were already people looking at us funny from that. But, oh boy, Kelly did not like that I pushed her away. Not one bit. When I looked her in the face... Her eyes were filled with rage and hatred. I'd never seen anyone look like that before, and it scared me. In the middle of the theater, during the movie, she stood bolt upright, and she screamed at me at the top of her lungs. So what? Am I not pretty enough for you? I tried to get her to calm down, 
She was making a scene, and the 40 people around us trying to enjoy the movie were no longer watching the movie. They were watching us. But Kelly didn't even blink. She never took her eyes off of me. At that moment, I don't think I ever saw her breathe, either. This chick was psycho. I pulled her out of the theater. Out in the corridor, she still wasn't calming down. Then, suddenly, she stormed out of the building after saying she needed to get something from her car. I was left bewildered and confused. I took the opportunity to go to the bathroom. I used one of the stalls to pee and kind of think for a moment. I've never been a big fan of the urinals. Around that time, I heard Kelly's voice. She was in the men's bathroom now, and she was somehow angrier than before. No one treats me like this, she said. And then I heard a metallic clicking sound, or maybe it was more of a snap. I peered through the crack of the stall door, and I saw that she was holding a knife in her hand. I double-checked the lock, then I backed away from the stall door. Her footsteps came closer, until I could see her shoes at the bottom of the stall. As she began to fiddle and rattle with the lock, I saw it slowly coming open. In only a few seconds' time, the door would open wide, and I'd be trapped in a corner, only a few feet between me and a psycho with a knife. That's when I heard another voice. Uh, miss, this is the men's restroom. It was a guy, older, and he sounded bigger, bigger than me, at least. I'm gonna have to ask you to leave. There was another snap, and finally, she exited the bathroom. I opened the stall door, and I saw that it was one of the employees of the theater, coming in to wash his hands. I told him what he had just walked in on, and I explained everything that had happened, and that people may be in danger, specifically me. He reported the incident to his boss. His boss pulled me aside and told me that he saw the girl exit the building, and that multiple employees saw her with a knife. Luckily, I never heard from Kelly again, and I didn't see her back at school either. So, a pretty girl with horrible insecurity and anger issues, I never want to see you again. The Mannequin, submitted by China Doll. Hello all, my name is Kiana. Last year, I got accepted into cosmetology at the local college in my town. I was super excited, but also I felt terrible about burning holes into my grandparents' pockets. I am not a college student, but I did get accepted as a junior in high school. A little background on me, I'm a bubbly and positive girl. I was always very nice to everyone I met, but I can be super shy at times, so making friends was a bit complicated once I got there. Class was normal the first few weeks. I worked hard in the class too. In that class, to practice hair, we had a mannequin. It was just a head with real human hair and painted on eyes and makeup. It was like a doll, and I loved dolls, being as girly as I am. I was good at cutting hair on my mannequin, and it was really fun to do her hair. I was a little behind on hours for the class, so I had to start going in early and staying late. One day I came in so early, some of the girls weren't there. I was so sleepy and grumpy walking in. Once I walked in, I picked up my mannequin and sleepily put her on the mannequin stand. When I began running my hands through her hair, I looked at the mirror and noticed her face. There were dried water stains going down from her eyes, streaks of water, 
They looked exactly like she had been crying. I shook it off as I grabbed a napkin with water and wiped off her face. I laughed, trying to calm myself, and I assured the mannequin that I know I'm not too good at braids, and I said sorry when I pulled her hair. Yes, I was joking. It's strange to just talk to my mannequin. But not only did my instructor tell us to talk to mannequins like clients, I also wanted to ease my mind from thinking crazy. I hadn't washed her hair lately, so the water stains couldn't have been that. The rest of the day was quite normal, and the next day I walked in early again, more energized than before. I cheerfully stretched, seeing no one there again. I looked up at the mannequin on the shelf. Her face turned away from me. That's not how I left her the day before. Again, I shrugged it off and assumed that someone had moved it. I then stretched my arm out to grab her, and when I turned her around, I literally screamed and dropped her to the floor. I was starting to think this was some kind of sick joke. My mannequin's face was freaking melted, her eyes half gone and her mouth gaping open from the burning hole in it. The side of her face completely burnt, and the bottom where her name was written, Miss Sophia, was scratched away, now saying Miss and that's it. I know for a fact I did not burn my mannequin, so I was angry that someone did. She looked terrifying like she was rotting or something. Suddenly, another mannequin fell from the shelf, the same shelf I had gotten mine from. I screamed again as it crashed to the floor. I could see its face, and it was melted as well, her eyes completely gone. That was enough for the day. I quickly rubbed out, and I told my teacher what happened later. No one admitted to burning them. Needless to say, my teacher was pissed. We had to get new ones, but this experience really shocked me. Now I don't go early anymore, and it's hard to look at my new mannequin, thinking she'll look distorted and evil too one day when I turn her around. My School Weirdo Submitted by Jazz I'm a 14-year-old freshman. There's this guy at our school named Daniel. Now Daniel is a big guy. He wears the same gray hoodie every day, but he wears it with shorts, which is already kind of weird. But to each his own, I guess. Still, Daniel is not your average weird. He's really weird. It's hard not to notice him throughout the year. I mean, who hasn't at this point? I always thought Daniel was funny to look at. It's just the things he does that I find funny, but others might not. It might be because of my darker sense of humor. Daniel does this thing where he sneaks up on people. He even followed one of my friends all the way home before. It's kind of creepy, and no one really gets the joke except him. It wasn't until a few weeks ago that I finally had an actual conversation with Daniel. I didn't really mind approaching him. Unlike my friends, I don't mind taking risks. I don't really mind confrontation. So I started to ask him questions. Every time I'd see him creeping up on someone, I would go over and ask him a question. Questions like, Why are you following them home? Or, why are you acting like that? It's kind of weird. Or just other random questions. I do this to get a laugh out of people, and because I'm honestly curious. But his response and reaction, it's very, very creepy. This one day, when he noticed that one of our friends wasn't at school, we jokingly ask what he had done to her. He replies with a wink, then says, You don't want to know what I did with the body. Sometimes Daniel just walks around in circles, or disturbs random people as usual. 
There was this one time he grabbed me by the hand. I yanked away, pulling myself from his grasp, and I laughed nervously. It creeped me out, but I just brushed it off. I just thought, as long as he doesn't actually hurt me, I guess I'm okay. But the way he looked at me without smiling, the way he made eye contact with me, something told me that what he does to people is no joke. That we find it funny, because all of us are in denial. I used to see Daniel as a regular human being trying to seek the attention of other people, the only way he really knew how, by being weird. But most others didn't see him that way. He disturbs my friends and many others. He sneaks up on people and lays his hands on people. But all of it came to a climax that somehow we still didn't expect. He was once suspended for a couple of weeks for stalking one of the students' home and strangling her cat. Since then, we all look at him a little differently. We all know he needs help, but we're scared to say anything, scared of what he might do. There's something wrong with Daniel, and I'm worried that he's going to follow someone home, and it's not going to be their cat that he strangles. School Ghost Stalker Submitted by Cole O. There's not a day that goes by that I don't think of this. I was in sixth grade in middle school. It was last period on a Friday. I was antsy to get out and I was thinking about Halloween coming up. At the moment, I had to use the bathroom really bad. I've never used the bathroom in school being how it was just disgusting. Anyway, I built the courage to go to the bathroom and I sat down in one of the stalls. When all of a sudden, someone entered the bathroom. They walked up right to the stall I was in and was just standing there. I became very uneasy. And then he dropped the bomb. How would you like to die today? A masculine voice spoke to me. He went on his knees and peered under the stall. Immediately I saw that it was a very creepy looking old lady who I just thought was a man. She had a very disturbing deep voice and was giving me a toothless smile. I then as quick as I could crawled under the next stall to me and ran out of the bathroom. Immediately outside I turned back toward the bathroom. Only to see nobody there. I never told anybody about this incident until now, and it still sends chills down my spine. Was it some type of ghost? I have no idea, but I don't think I ever want to know, and that was definitely the first and the last time I ever used the school bathrooms. Middle School Lockdown Submitted by Ben Griffin I remember this like it happened yesterday. To say I was a theater nerd was putting it lightly. I was walking to my chorus class one day, and to get to the chorus room, you have to pass the front doors. So as I was walking by, I noticed a strange man. I'd say he was in his 40s. I shrugged it off, thinking it was a parent. Maybe they were here to pick up their kid. You never really know, and it wasn't any of my business. As I got into the chorus room, we did our warm-ups, which was a daily thing. We sat down and watched a documentary on the National Anthem. Then we began practicing singing the National Anthem for the upcoming basketball game. The door suddenly swung open, and I saw the same man enter our room. The man I'd seen moments before in the front of the school. 
Red flags were going off in my head immediately. I knew if he was someone's parent, the office would have called down to inform us a student was going to leave, that a parent was coming, or they would have at least given them a name tag. My course teacher, surprised, stood up and asked the man if he needed anything. As she stood, the man literally punched her across the face. Many of the students screamed and backed away, but my friend, who was a bigger guy compared to the rest of us, ran up to her to see if she was okay. As he approached, the strange man pulled out something metallic and sharp. Step away, or I'll cut your head off, the man said with a maniacal tone in his voice. My friend backed away, of course. The man then looked at me, and I will never forget that grin. His eyes were as wide as possible, revealing his disgustingly rotting teeth. He began walking up the stairs, still looking at me. When he was around six feet from me, I stood up and panicked. I grabbed a chair and threw it right at him. He grunted as the chair hit him, but he was still standing, and he was laughing. But this distracted him long enough for the students and the teacher to get out, including me. As we were running down the hallway, I heard a noise, just as the alarm rang, signaling a school lockdown. It was the man coming towards us, and he was screaming out to us. My heart was pounding in my ears, and the sounds of dozens of students running through the hallway was surrounding me. But what I think he said was, I'm going to get you all. Just hearing his voice and his approaching steps sent chills down my spine. My class and I managed to make it out of the front doors, but the man never ran out after us. Maybe he had decided to target a class that was still in the school on lockdown. When we went on lockdown, usually a class would just cower in the corner away from the windows with the doors locked, meaning anyone still inside was an easy target. Outside, we watched as a SWAT team came and stormed inside, and about a half hour later, they came out with the man in handcuffs. He was really beat up, and he had to be sent to the hospital. Come to find out, the man wasn't able to get to us after we left the building because of the school security. Due to miraculous timing, the moment we ran out of the front doors, one of the faculty members pressed the button that locked all the doors in the school inside and out. We were able to make it out, and he was stuck inside. But, as I thought about it for a moment, if they had pressed that button sooner, it would have made us cornered, trapped against the doors, while the maniac ran at us. It was only mere seconds and chance that changed our lives forever, and our fates. As for the man, he had just gotten through a divorce. He lost his house, his savings, his kids. He got stuck with lifelong, permanent alimony payments, as well as nearly a decade of child support. So the guy just snapped. Now, how did he get in, though? Well, the women in the office were helping a child in the nurse's room, so he was able to get in without being noticed. Usually, faculty would see someone walking in, and you couldn't get past the office without talking to the office. He approached the chorus room because his son was in chorus, but he had the wrong period, so his son wasn't even in the class at the time. But that didn't matter to him. 
He was planning to take a lot of lives down anyway, and luckily I threw that chair at him, and we made it out before the building was locked. The North Gate Haunting Submitted by Scardust This happened two years ago, when I was a freshman at Northgate High School. But before I tell you what happened to me, I have to tell you about my school's history. You see, my school has two buildings, the main building and the ninth grade building, which is located right next to the main one. The ninth grade building was built on land that was originally owned by a slave owner, way back in the 1800s, and so it has a graveyard by the outside lunch area. The slave owner loved to beat his slaves daily, and often they would die by mistake. Although he is dead now, the story goes he did not go peacefully. One early morning, one of his slaves was making him breakfast, eggs and bacon, his favorite meal, while he was sitting and reading. After all the abuse she and her family had suffered at the hands of this slave owner, she took the frying pan with hot bacon grease still in it and hit the slave owner over his head, knocking him down and pouring the boiling hot grease on his face. As he lay on the floor yelling in agony and screaming threats of torture and death to her, she had already come this far and she continued to beat her former master to death. Many years later, after his death, the ninth grade building had been finished and was in use. Now, how does this affect me? Well, you see, there was a rumor going around that if you were in the school in the morning or late in the evening, you will smell bacon, no matter what part of the building you're in. Some have even claimed to see a figure sitting in the lunchroom or standing just outside of your view, meaning they've only caught a glance of it. This was not my case, however. After failing a Spanish 1 quiz, I asked if I could retake it, and my Spanish teacher said yes. They asked if I could stay after school or come early in the morning. As I couldn't stay after school since it was my week with my dad, which only happens every two months or so, I decided I could come early in the morning. After I was dropped off, I headed toward the ninth grade building to do my retake. On the way to the classroom, I smelled bacon. I have heard the rumors, and I was immediately on edge. I went into the cafeteria and looked around to see if there were any lunch ladies in there. Unfortunately, there wasn't. So now I've gone from on edge to creeped out. I decided to leave the building. However, the doors closed behind me and they would not budge now. I was definitely scared at that point. I started to panic a little, wondering what was going on. And then I noticed something. To be a little ball of black fire. It grew bigger and bigger and then began to change forms. And soon I recognized a human shape. Its face was still just fire, but its body was like that of a Confederate soldier gray and decorated in medals and badges. I was in total shock. I had always believed in ghosts, demons, angels, but I never thought I'd see anything like this. Then it started to move, not slowly or hastily, but for lack of a better analogy, but like a pixelated game character, swaying back and forth, repeating the same motions. Then I suddenly heard a voice. I'm sorry for what I've done. At that moment, another ball of fire appeared but this time it was white and the human figure burned away until it was back in the form of a ball and then it began to fade away. But unlike the first ball, the second was still there and I heard a different voice say something else that I can barely understand. I think it said, You shall never be forgiven. Then just like the one before it, it disappeared. Now thoroughly confused and horrified, I tried the doors again and to my relief they opened. I did manage to finally take my retake, but it took me almost an hour, even though it was only 20 questions. I was still in shock over the whole thing. I had so many questions about what happened, I don't think I'll ever get the answers I want. What were they? 
Why did they appear to me? Why didn't the second ball of fire change shape? Luckily, I have never gone back to the ninth grade building since the beginning of my 10th grade year, and hopefully I will never go back. I have told this to a few friends and family members, but most just write it off as a bad dream, or they think I'm making this all up. But some do believe, and we are worried that something else might happen. Fortunately, nothing has, and I hope it stays that way. I was almost in a school tragedy. Submitted by Hunter G. I lived in a southwestern Missouri town with the typical middle-of-nowhere feel. The town itself had a population of around 2,000, and it was just big enough to have its own school district. There were about 200 kids total, from pre-K to 12th grade, and we all shared the same campus. The school was divided into high school, junior high, and elementary wings. As for me, I was in junior high at the time. The building that housed us was old and falling apart. It looked as if someone cut a straight hallway out from the main campus and built a breezeway between them. Because of that separation, it was closer to the street than the other wings. Specifically, I was in social studies when that headache-inducing doorbell sound began. We'd all been through the intruder drills before, so we went through the routine. The students packed themselves into the corner. The teacher shut off the lights and locked the door. She hushed us as we all sat bored and annoyed on the floor. We were admittedly being kind of loud, because to us, it was just another disruptive drill. It took probably 15 minutes of continuous dinging for the idea to sink into our little 13-year-old minds. This one wasn't a drill. After that, most of us stayed silent, and even the teacher crouched down with us away from the door. I whispered to my friend as she clung to me, I, I think we're going to die. To that, she started crying. I don't know why I said it, it was as if I was in a trance. Fear was my drive. Thirty minutes in, we began hearing distant popping sounds, which slowly faded into nothing. The clump of us were shaking in our entirety. I recall this nasty emptiness in my stomach, just waiting, knowing it would be my time soon. The chime of the intruder alarm seemed as far away as the pops, Though the speaker hung overhead, we could do nothing but wait for our turn. Finally, after what felt like forever, the voice of the principal came over the loudspeaker. It stated, Please remain in your classrooms. And that was all. High off of existence, us kids sat on the desks laughing loudly and talking nonstop. The teacher abandoned her lesson and rested behind her desk, I imagined she was feeling the same overwhelming relief as we were. It was over, we thought. It took a little over an hour, but the school called all the parents who then came and picked up their children. We didn't realize at the time just how close we had come to being victims. Because while we were studying state history, someone was on his way to our school to end as many lives as possible. 
He stopped his truck on the road just a block away from our school. He was in the process of removing his weapons when a good Samaritan stopped to see if he was having car trouble. Having been found out, the man took the life of the good Samaritan, who ended up passing away on the scene. The popping sounds then rang out and quickly alerted the police. They were able to hold the man at a standoff until the violent exchange left the man and one officer, well, gone. It was over. And if that good Samaritan hadn't stopped to offer help, instead offering his life, the man likely would have made it inside our school, would have taken many, many more lives. In the end, tragically, three people lost their lives that day. It's sad, but as students, we were more than thankful. There are no happy endings in that evil, cursed town, but there are lucky ones. That day, all of us kids were lucky. Drama Club Creep Submitted by Kaiba Girl 17 It was my junior year of high school. I was taking drama as my elective for the spring semester, and we were all getting ready for the spring play. There was one boy in my class named Aaron. Aaron was new to the school, and rumors had it that he had come from a place for troubled children. As a victim of rumors myself, throughout high school, I don't pay much attention to them, so I thought I'd get to know him better. For the first few weeks, he seemed pretty cool. He always told me how pretty I was, and that he was glad he'd taken drama, since it gave him a chance to meet me. Fast forward to a few months before summer break, we're rehearsing for the play. I was one of the female leads, and Aaron was helping paint the backdrops. One afternoon, while we were taking a break, I wanted to ask if he wanted to go get some snacks and soda with me. I saw him standing by the backdrop with paint all over his hands, and he was licking it. I remember feeling my face contort in confusion. What was he doing? I made my way over to him. I grabbed his wrist and asked what he was thinking, licking paint like that. And I kid you not, this is what he replied, with a dazed look in his eyes. I wanted to see if brown paint tasted as much like chocolate as it looks. You want to try some? He stuck his hand out toward me, and I shook my head. From there, I should have known things were going to get weirder. Whenever I was on stage with the others, Aaron would sit and watch. Whenever I spoke my lines, he would yell in a loud, obnoxious voice, We can't hear you! Speak up! Despite knowing everyone could hear me. It was annoying, but I just thought he was trying to get attention from it, and I ignored him. Then he started throwing things at me. I reported him to our drama teacher, but she told me it wasn't that big of a deal. One day, a week or two after the play, which I ended up missing due to catching the flu, something happened that still haunts me to this day. Aaron and I were the only juniors in our class. All the others were seniors and had gone on their senior trip. Our teacher, Miss J, told us since it was just the three of us, she would buy us some sandwiches from Subway since our school allowed students and faculties to order lunch. She then left for the office. 
Aaron apologized for his past behavior over the last few weeks, and to make amends, he said he had been working on a costume that he wanted to show me backstage. There was one final play for the year, and I hoped to be in it. He said that this costume would be the perfect one to audition in. Keep in mind, I was a tad sheltered as a child, so even at the age of 16 I was innocent to the ways of people like this. What I'm saying is, I wasn't suspicious of this in the slightest. I followed Aaron backstage to the costume room. The second I entered the room and shut the door, Aaron shoved me against the wall, pinning me by my arms, and he pressed himself up against me. I tried to push him off, but he was 5'9 and 170 pounds, compared to my 5'4 at 130. We're going to do something together, he whispered to me, and you're going to like it. My eyes widened, and I tried to scream. He shoved his hand on my mouth and said, You're not going to make a sound, and he grinned. He sounded so sure of himself. At that moment, I can't explain it, but I lost it. Biting his hand and my mouth being freed, I screamed, No! Slamming my knee into him, Aaron cried out and fell to his knees as I squirmed free. I said no! I shouted over and over and over as I raced from the room and through the halls, wanting anyone and everyone to hear me. As I ran for the office, I saw Miss J. Where are you going? she demanded. I'm not going back there, I screamed at her. After I told the principal everything that had happened, he took my word for it. Aaron was not only arrested, but expelled. To this day, I wonder how I could have been so stupid. Everyone has repeatedly assured me it was not my fault, and that I was lucky that I knew to fight. After that incident, I never saw Aaron again, and he'd be smart not to show his face to me anymore. The Black Sisters Submitted by MLC This is my first time submitting a story, so it might be a bit short. Some background first. In my town for a year or two, I had to go to an old middle school in my district. It was built on an all-girls academy from the early 1900s. The school had three teachers who were nicknamed the Black Sisters. Their names were Virginia, Caroline, and Mary. They had an interesting hobby of killing those around them for the insurance money. And now their ghosts are said to haunt the middle school, which I must add is no longer being used to teach kids after my stint there. Now, on to the story. When I was in sixth grade, I had to go a town over to get to school, due to the fact that the high schoolers were in my town's middle school. The school was not built to hold that amount of students who were there at the time, so some classes had to use trailers. I was in one of those classes. One day that winter, I needed to go to the bathroom, and part of me was just bored. So I walked out of the trailer door and into the main building. The door was at the end of a long hallway. Its walls were covered with lockers and classroom doors with the bathroom near an intersection. The way down was uneventful. I did my business and walked out. Nothing spooky. But on my way back, I made the immature decision to taunt the ghosts of the school. The moment I breathed the word, a locker on my right popped open and slammed against the other lockers loudly. So I noped it out of that hallway back outside. I have heard other stories of lockers opening with no reason, so I'm not sure if this was just a coincidence. I don't see how it could be, or if it really was the ghosts that haunt my school. 
Gettysburg Field Trap by Matt While this story is a fond memory of mine, it's bittersweet. I remember what happened very well. I was in 8th grade. I was on a three-day field trip to Washington, D.C. We had already left the D.C. area and decided to spend the afternoon at Gettysburg. A very entertaining tour guide boarded our bus and showed us around some back roads through the former battlefields. We saw some memorials, monuments, and heard great stories. We even got to run around part of the actual battlefield, doing parkour off of rocks and climbing through rocky alcoves. It was a lot of fun. That's not the point of the story, though. I only mention it because it better explains what we did after dinner. After dinner that evening, we went on a ghost tour inside and around the house of Ginny Wade, the only civilian life taken during the Battle of Gettysburg. While I was outside, I captured several photographs of orbs and a single photograph of an unknown misty form. My camera occasionally refused to focus, but returned to normal if I faced another direction. Anyway, while I was inside the house, my friend believed he captured the spirit of Ginny herself in a photo taken on his phone. He doesn't have the photo anymore, but it shows a milky white form, much more defined than the misty shape I captured. He even started crying that night, which was way out of character for him. I hadn't seen him cry since he learned his grandmother passed away, and I didn't see him cry after that until he became overly involved in high school romance. I had an experience myself in the house, but it was much weaker than his. I'm not sure if I can ever call it an experience, because it seemed like I could have been subconsciously faking it, but here goes. I felt a very heavy, depressing presence. When I was walking in the house that night, I sank down to my knees suddenly, having no power to lift myself back up, and I didn't understand what the presence was or what it meant. And at one point, I swear I felt hands on my shoulders, but I was alone, no one around me. Before we left that property and headed home, I captured one of the best photos while I was there, the other being the mist. I will link both of them. Something is going on on that property. Something tells me the past relives itself, or at least the emotions of the past do. An Old Soul Submitted by Wolves So I was always a quiet boy. I was the kid that teachers set the talkers next to, the one who wouldn't talk back. They loved me. I got good grades, and I never got in trouble and this experience started taking place three years ago. I always felt watched while I slept, even though I closed my door and windows, and the windows were completely covered. Every morning when I woke up, something seemed to have moved. This had been happening for a few years, and just recently, I had made and installed several sensors in my room. I looked through the logs every morning. They occasionally would pick up something small, but this morning it was a huge amount of activity. Honestly, I was scared, and I knew that all my family were innocent. The door never moved, neither did the windows. Nothing in my room had seemed to have moved, so I went about my day. At school, I finally joined a group of friends, and almost immediately I became one of their go-to people. This was weird because I was antisocial, but here I was, able to tell them to follow me somewhere and they would. 
Fast forward a few months and my report came through. All the teachers I had at the time picked up on my new leadership and they commented on it. A few days later, I got into trouble, unfairly. I emailed the teacher and the next day she came to me, seemingly frightened. I was off the hook and she was always scared of me from then on. I didn't even do much in the email. Fast forward to about one year ago, my group had broken up and I was again alone and antisocial. I decided to test something. I joined a well-known and rather hard group to get into. None of them even knew me. Yet, two weeks later, there I was, their go-to person. I tried not to make myself noticed, and I hardly said anything, yet they still had me as their leader. And that night, I had a dream. You may say it was just my imagination, but I could feel it was more. It also didn't help that this is the only dream I've ever remembered. I was a leader, possibly a king, and I was telling people to do things, preparing for something. I went through this dream and it followed through with an attack on my kingdom. I looked the details up in the morning. They seemed to line up with Alfred the Great. I was not good at history, and I had not heard of him until now, but almost everything lined up. The teachers after this noticed the boost in my confidence. I noticed that despite everything, people noticed me now. People knew me. People listened. I seem to have gained an aura from that night, but I still don't know what it is. My reflexes even seem to have improved, and I don't think it's possession, I think it's something else. One person said that I have a more regal feel around me after that night. Nothing else has happened since, but this aura seems to be getting stronger as of late. Perhaps I've picked up an old soul that is guiding me. I haven't told anyone about this, but it has all been released now. I hope that whatever happens next is good, for who knows in our current world. Still though, I can't help but wonder, why was that teacher so scared of me? The Weird Guy at My Cousin's High School Submitted by Dalton This story happened to my cousin, and it's from her point of view. She's in college now, but it happened when she was a sophomore in high school. Here goes. One day I was walking down the hall to my third period class, when I saw these people picking on this kid named Chad. I only barely knew Chad. He was a good kid, though, and had we known each other better, I would have easily called him my friend. So as any decent person would do, I came up to them, stood between them and Chad, telling them to stop being cruel, to treat other people with respect. This only triggered them to make fun of me as well, until I threatened to report them to the principal. Then they finally rolled their eyes and left. Chad thanked me, and I asked him if he wanted to go get food after school. We met up after school that day, had a nice talk, and ate together. He asked if he could come over the next day. I told him I'd have to okay it with my mom. The next day, as I pulled into my driveway, I saw Chad standing in front of my door ringing the doorbell. I was mad, but he saw me and came to me to give me a note and a package. The note said simply, you will forever be my love, and in the package was a single rose. This was bizarre and out of nowhere, and completely creeped me out, especially as he had never been to my house before, and I had no idea how he found my house. Over the next few months, we actually did start dating, and I was convinced that his gift that day was less creepy now, and more romantic. But then Chad started doing some weird things, 
like kissing me when I told him not to, and pushing me into his basement, as if he was trying to corner me to have his way with me. A few months later, before anything could happen, I broke it off with him. I had basically slammed my front door in his face. A while after that, I began dating a guy named Ty. But one day, Ty called me asking me why this guy was banging on his front door and cursing at him. From the description of the guy, I realized it was Chad. Chad was very angry that I had been dating Ty and had followed him home to know where he lived and was now trying to confront him. Eventually, after being unable to get inside Ty's house, he left. But the next week, Chad never showed up to school. I thought it was strange, but I didn't care too much. I had moved on from him. But then I learned that Chad was in the hospital because he jumped off the roof of his house, citing his reason for doing so being me dating Ty. Chad was just a not-so-there guy. So, Chad, you have to move on. I have, and hopefully, you can get some well-needed help. The Girl in the White Dress Submitted by Kira In my elementary school, my mom was the music teacher and substitute for grades 4 to 6. One day, one of my main teachers was sick, so my mom took over her duties for half the day. Everything was going just fine, and my mom assigned us to do a story about our scariest moment in life. Being me, I never really had anything interesting about myself, so I just wrote something off the top of my head. Now, I was in grade 5 at the time, and half of the grade 6s also were in my class, so they had to do the same assignment too. Everything was going fine until we presented our stories. Thirteen of the stories were the exact same stories. I was freaked out because the story that everyone had told was about them lying in bed, suddenly woken up to a figure in their closet, and they described this figure as a girl of the age 9 or 10, with a white, torn, dirty dress and long black hair. I guess you could say it resembled the girl from the ring. After that class, everything was chaos and people were alert like crazy. Some said they even saw her, not even an hour after the stories were told. I remember one person saw her in the hallway, while many others saw her in the playground. I think the creepiest part of that day was when I saw the girl sitting on the swing sets from my classroom window. And when I blinked, she was gone. I'm in grade 9 now. In many cases, a paranormal activity in my old elementary school have still been told to me through my mother. To this day, I've never gone back to that school ever since I graduated. Please stay away from me. Bye, Anonymous. When I was younger, around 15 or 16 years old, I had a habit of meeting people online. I didn't have many real-life friends, and I was having family issues on top of that. That was around the time I met this guy. His name was Nathan. Nathan and I chatted it up through messages for a while, until one day he said to me, Hey, can you call me? I smiled because I felt like I knew this person. He was as sweet as could be. I agreed to give him a call. We talked on the phone for hours and hours, and I had a great time. Fast forward a few months. I was in school and constantly busy with schoolwork. So busy that as soon as I'd get home, I'd fall right to sleep after a long day without a word to anybody. 
But Nathan didn't like that very much. He would get upset, and not just a normal, oh, but I've missed you kind of thing. He would get irrationally angry. I'd wake up with about nine or ten missed calls, several voicemails, and around 50 text messages, all of which were very unpleasant to hear or read. He'd make me cry with a lot of things that he said to me. Then, when I'd call him to apologize, he'd yell at me more and tell me to never speak to him again. This would only make the tears come down harder. After an hour or two, he'd call me back and apologize, promising he'd never be that mean to me again. Being young and naive, I believed him, so I'd try my best to call and text all day every day to keep him happy, because I knew if I didn't, it wouldn't be pretty. After a few months, he started getting mad at me for even smaller things. Either I didn't find his music good, or I'd accidentally fall asleep on the phone, or I would talk too much, stuff like that. Everything I did, he began to judge me for. We'd have fights several times a week. He'd get angry, yell, curse, tell me to never talk to him again, hang up, only to call back hours later and apologize. Rinse, repeat. It was bad. The thing about Nathan was that he knew about the life that I had before, but things were better. Nathan did not approve of my forgive-and-forget attitude, though. He had said to me, They did awful things, and you should hate them, you should try to get back at them. Talking about my family members. But I didn't hate anybody. But he disagreed. While I wanted to be happy, he tried to talk me into hurting my family. I could tell he spent time out of his own day thinking up ways I could get back physically at my family and friends. Get painful revenge on things I wasn't even mad about anymore. Then he started talking about other girls in front of me, trying to make me jealous and mad. He wanted me to be hateful, but I just couldn't. That wasn't like me. Well, not until the final straw which was the day he called me, telling me that he found out where my mother worked and that he'd be happy to cut her brakes. I cut off all contact with him after that, and I made sure to warn my mom to be careful with her vehicle. I ghosted him, blocked him on everything, blocked his number, did everything I could to make sure he didn't exist in my life anymore. This guy, he freaked me out and made my life miserable. I hope I never hear from him again. Forced to sit beside a psychopath for an entire semester. Courtesy of Tessa the Alien. This happened last semester when I was finishing 10th grade. I am a teenage girl with almost no enemies, which makes this story even weirder. I'm still a bit nervous to tell it because of the person it involves but I'll just hope for the sake of my life that it does not get back to them. So this all began in my science class on the very first day when my teacher created the seating plan. Unfortunately, this was one of those teachers that didn't want you sitting with your friends. He believed that this was a good way to get us to meet new people, but trust me when I say there are some people who I don't want to meet. My teacher sat me with a boy who I'd never seen before. His name was Al. Right away, I kind of got a weird vibe from him. 
so I tried to focus on my worksheet to avoid conversation. Yes, I know this sounds a little bit rude, but it was a quiet class anyways, so not introducing yourself wasn't really out of the ordinary. He was the type of person who didn't really have any social skills, and he seemed very awkward. He didn't seem to take very good care of himself either, and even though I was at least a foot or two away from him, I could smell his disgustingly bad breath. Apparently, we weren't the only people who did not want to introduce ourselves because an awkward silence filled the entire room. My teacher noticed this, and he stood up in front of the class. I know it may feel weird sitting beside a stranger, but it will be a lot better if you get to know each other. I want you to turn to the person I seated you with, shake their hand, and tell them your name. Great, now I had to talk to this guy. We introduced ourselves, and we shook hands. His hands were extremely sweaty, and the way he lingered during the handshake really creeped me out. Most people's conversations ended there, and then they went back to work, and that's what I was hoping for, too. But of course, that's not what happened. For about a minute, things were quiet, but that entire time, he was staring at me. I looked over at him after a while because it was a bit strange how he was staring, and I wanted him to stop. Before I could ask what he was doing, he started to talk to me. What kind of music do you like? He asked awkwardly. I told him what I listened to, and then I returned the question, because I didn't want to seem rude. Then he said in the most monotone and serious voice ever, I freaking love Nicki Minaj. I love everything about her. She's the most beautiful woman ever. At first, I chuckled a bit because I thought maybe he was joking, but then I realized he was completely serious. I was surprised because he didn't really seem like he would like her music, but apparently he had even been to her concert. He later told me that he didn't even really like her music that much, he just liked her body. I didn't really care that much, and this wasn't the creepiest part, but it does add to the story, especially later. He started telling me about his other classes. He focused a lot on his Spanish class. I asked him why he liked Spanish so much. He stared at me directly in the eye. Miss Johnson is the hottest teacher I've ever seen. I love her so freaking much. I didn't really know how to answer that, so I just said, Oh, cool, I heard she's nice. He said in the creepiest way possible, Yeah, and she's thick. I like him thick. Mm. This was really weird, but this guy did not seem like someone whose bad side you'd want to get on. So all I said was, Yeah, there are pretty good teachers at this school. I didn't think there was anything wrong with what I said, and I definitely didn't expect the reaction that I got from it. Suddenly, he had some weird outburst. No, I hate Mr. Jones. He's a piece of crap, he said angrily. I had no idea that what I said would provoke him like that. The teacher who he was talking about was one of the most well-liked teachers in our school. I didn't know anyone didn't like him. Apparently, he taught Al for English last semester, and clearly things did not go very well. I didn't ask why he hated him so much and I figured it might just be best to play along in this situation before this kid caused a scene. I just said, Yeah, he's my drama teacher, and he doesn't seem that great. Even though I was totally lying, because I knew what a good teacher he was. Once again, this gets 100 times creepier as the story goes on. This kid talked to me the entire class. I was barely even talking back to him, and I was giving him one-word answers for most of his questions. Yet, he would not stop talking to me. It was honestly really annoying, but he was intimidating, so I didn't do anything about it. I just wanted him to shut up so I could do my work, 
As the days went by, I realized just how weird this guy was. He told me all about his problems as if I was his therapist, but he didn't say a single word to anyone else in the class. I think he knew I was the only one who wouldn't call him out for being such a creep because I was scared of him and I had to sit beside him for the rest of the year. I dreaded science every single day because I hated listening to him. I never got any work done. He would tell me the most personal and disgusting things about himself. He told me about how he had a foot fungus on his toe and even pulled out his phone to show me pictures. I was really grossed out, but I didn't want to make him mad so I just played along with it. After a few days, he brought up Mr. Jones again, the teacher who he hates. I've never heard someone more angry in my life. You know, I planned on killing him, right? I, I want him dead, and I wasn't afraid to do it. The only thing stopping me was the law, but maybe one day I'll find a way around it. He said this with a terrifying, blank stare, in the most serious way a person could speak. I was pretty concerned, but all I said was, well, you don't want to risk going to jail. I really wanted to tell a teacher or a counselor because something seemed extremely off inside his head, and I don't doubt that he would actually do it. The thing was, if he got in trouble for making threats like that, he would know it was me who told on him. If I got him in any trouble, I knew that he'd be coming for me. It would be easier for him to kill me than the teacher anyway. I told my friends about him, and it turns out one of my friends knew the guy. She said that he was a complete nutcase, and that if he made a threat like that again, that I should tell someone. She agreed that he wasn't even slightly joking when he said that. For the rest of the semester, he would ask me creepy questions and randomly swear under his breath. One time, he asked me what my stripper name would be if I was a stripper. I've never talked to him about anything like that, so it was really creepy and random that he'd even ask that. I was genuinely afraid of him, and I really wanted him to like me because I was so afraid of being on his bad side. He was very violent and talked about revenge a lot, and he had a very unpredictable short fuse. One day, we had to be lab partners, and for the lab we were doing, we needed a source of gas. I turned on the gas so we could use it, and he started swearing and yelling at me. He called me stupid and said I was wasting gas. I knew I wasn't wasting it, and he was being ridiculous, but I just told him I was sorry and asked if he wanted to be in charge of the gas because I didn't want the teacher to think I was causing problems. There was another incident where we were learning about the carbon cycle and how cows contributed to it. My teacher was trying to be funny, and he said something like, Whenever I drive past a farm, I always make sure to plug my nose so I don't smell the cow poop. Then, out of nowhere, Al loudly blurts out to the entire class. I inhale deeply and say, Mmm. The rest of the class burst out laughing. I did not, because I knew he was probably serious, and he didn't laugh because he was definitely serious. The next hour of our class, he told me about his poop fetish. Yeah, you heard that right, his poop fetish. You have no idea how hard it was to keep a straight face while he was telling me this. He said there was nothing that he loved more than the smell of it, and he even ate some horse dung one time. This was really hard to listen to. It began to get unbearable when he started telling me how he didn't even use toilet paper sometimes because he liked playing with his own, and how he would purposely touch other people's stuff afterwards, because it turned him on knowing that other people came into contact with his feces. After about an hour of listening to him talk about it, I was getting really annoyed and grossed out. I started being a little bit rude, and I sarcastically said, cool, at the end of his disgusting story. 
I soon realized that that was a big mistake. He became really angry at me and started yelling. My classmates were now staring at me and wondering what I did to get yelled at. It was embarrassing, so I tried to calm him down before he made an even bigger scene. I, I lied and I said I wasn't being sarcastic, that I actually thought it was cool. It took about three minutes of me apologizing and convincing him before he finally calmed down. Sadly, I had to keep listening to his creepy and annoying remarks. But trust me when I say they get even creepier. One day he walked into class late and extremely pissed off. After the teacher's lesson was over, he started ranting to me like a maniac. I hate everyone in this stupid freaking school. I wish I could come in here with a gun and just shoot everyone and then myself afterwards. I don't even care anymore. He said this with his piercing eyes staring directly into me. I was so scared because nobody in his right mind says that to someone who they barely know. I wanted to tell someone so badly, but there was no way I could prove what he said. I didn't want him finding out that I got him in trouble, so I didn't tell anyone except a few close friends. I tried to convince him otherwise and that hurting anyone in our school would be a horrible idea but that just resulted in him getting mad at me. I worry that if one more teacher makes him mad, he really will act on his threat and bring a gun to school. He definitely fits the profile of a school shooter. Socially awkward, loner, lack of compassion, poor judgment, and not caring about the consequences of his actions. Every day, I worried that he might pull out a gun from his creepy oversized bag that he carries around. Luckily, it's now summertime, and I'm out of school for a while so I don't have to see that psycho until September. I'm glad that he didn't shoot anyone, although he did harass and scare people in other ways. There aren't too many incidents to remember, but I will name a few. That Spanish teacher who I mentioned he was showing interest in earlier was obviously annoyed by his behavior in her class. I wasn't there to see it happen, but he told me that he was planning to take another course that she teaches, just so he could be in her class. My guess is that he made inappropriate comments to her during Spanish, and she found out that he was planning on taking her other class because my friend saw him and the Spanish teacher in the counselor's office. I was told by Al that he was no longer able to take that class. I can only assume that the Spanish teacher did not allow him to take it because of his creepy behavior, and that's what they were discussing in the counselor's office. Another time, he called over the class peer tutor, who was a male and one year older than us. He asked for help on a question, but he was not able to understand even after the peer tutor explained, so he got very angry with him. He called him almost every swear word I can think of, and he told him that if he brought his white ass anywhere near him again, he'd get the crap kicked out of him. A few days later, he called the peer tutor over again, and I thought maybe he would apologize. But no. He looked the peer tutor dead in the face and said in his usual creepy monotone voice, Wanna get milked? The peer tutor was really creeped out and luckily he just left, and when he was gone, Al stared at me and said, I like messing with him, you know? One day I'ma milk his ass like a cow. He's seriously the creepiest person I've ever met. Now you know how I unwillingly became the therapist of some weird psychopath who might shoot up our school one day. I hope I don't have any classes with him ever again, because I don't think I could handle it. I really hope he gets some help. But I also hope that I never have to talk to him and his bad breath, toe fungus, poop fetish, Nicki Minaj obsessed ass ever again. Al, let's not meet again and find a real therapist because you need one. The boy I crushed on in high school. 
submitted by Donna Woe and read by Mad Mike. Before I begin, here's a little background on me. When this happened, I was about five feet tall and had quite a broad figure due to me playing rugby quite a lot. A little background on Lucas. When this happened, he was about 5'5 five, five and very slim. So here's the story. In high school, there was a guy who I found extremely attractive and cute. I'll call him Lucas for now. At the time I was 16, and so was he. He was in a few of my classes, maybe three or four. I'd always wanted to talk to him and get to know him, but with me being in the closet, the massive fear of rejection and not knowing whether he was gay, I decided to just admire him from afar, rather than pursue him. As time went by throughout the term, I started to notice him staring at me more and more in the classes we had together. At first I was happy he noticed me to be honest, but it started to make me uncomfortable and self-conscious. I pretended not to notice since it would have been embarrassing for both of us if we made eye contact during him staring. Half term came around and I wasn't thinking much about Lucas at this point. We came back to school and in our psychology class we were paired for group activities and sat next to each other. I didn't really know how I felt about it. We didn't talk for the first few lessons but when group activities and case study practicing came around, it was a must. On our first activity, I started the talking. He reacted normally, but being close to him made my heart pound like crazy because he was exactly my type. A few lessons passed of us normally talking about work when he out of the blue asked for my number. I was pretty much in shock. I asked for what reason he replied, Just curious. You don't have to give it. I, of course, gave it to him. By this point, I had completely forgotten about how strange his staring was from when he used to sit away from me. As soon as school ended, he began to text me normally, asking how it was. The only thing I found strange was how fast his replies were, even if mine were a few minutes late. Lucas didn't have Facebook or anything on social media, and whenever I saw him around school, he was alone reading older tatty books. This began to raise the courage within me to ask if he was gay or not, considering how interested he was in me. I waited for a good opportunity to ask. After I sent this text, it was about two minutes before I got a response. I did notice this, because the latest any of his other replies were, were only by 10 seconds, no exaggeration. His reply was, Yes, does that bother you? I decided to tell him I was too, in the heat of the moment. I was truly happy that he was willing to be open about it with me, and I thought I should do the same. He replied with, Oh cool, smiley face. This is where things took a turn. He began to send five or more text messages in a row about where I was or whether I wanted him to go away if I had not replied after maybe five minutes or so. But after I replied, he would go back to being sweet and friendly. 
Half-term had came once again, and I was ready to start hitting parties. One night, I left for the party with my phone, but realized a plug to the charger hadn't been inserted, so it was dead. I didn't realize this until during the car ride to the party. I forgot about it and drank until I became tipsy. The party finished, and I walked home with some good friends for part of the journey, but had to follow a path through a reasonably small woods. I didn't even think of being scared since I'd done it a million times before during the night. But less than halfway across the path, I heard someone whispering in a bush right beside where I needed to walk. I truly felt my heart clench. I tried not to react much because I didn't want them to realize I was there. The whispering was repetitive and getting louder. I was contemplating what to do. Do I turn back or try to get past without this guy noticing? I had to make a split second decision and thought it would have been dumb to walk all this way and turn back over maybe some homeless man. I still attempted to walk by without them hearing me. As I was walking, the whispering stopped. The leaves began to rustle, but slowly, as if someone was moving slowly inside the bush. I should have began to run at that point, but I was frozen in fear of the unknown. I had no idea what was in that bush. It was too clear to me that the thing had noticed me. I remember the overwhelming feeling of hesitation to run, fearing that it would cause it to lunge at me. I waited for about 10 seconds after the rustling as I stood there. A black figure arose slowly wearing a black hoodie with a hood covering the moonlight from reaching its face. It was quite short and slim, so I didn't think I'd have a problem taking it, but it lifted its arm, revealing a kitchen knife covered in red liquid that seemed to be blood. The mere sight of this sent me into panic and I began to sprint straight home. I looked back and the figure was out in the path and stood so I could see its whole figure. When I reached home, I didn't take a second to breathe and woke my parents up to tell them what happened. My dad called the police while I was looking through the blinds in our kitchen discreetly to see if anyone was out there. The next morning, we were told nothing was found, but they will look into it. I checked my phone since I'd been away from it for a while. I had over 200 messages from Lucas exclaiming how, if he couldn't have me, no one could. He then went on to say how he knew my route home and he'd be waiting to show me how much he was devoted to me. I was freaking out and I decided to show the messages to my parents and they gave the information to the police. The first day back at school, he wasn't in. The same happened for the next few weeks. No one really noticed because he really didn't have any friends. I never asked my parents what happened to him since it was a very difficult time. The messages were how they found out I was gay, so I don't talk about it much. After asking teachers if they knew anything, I noticed they all became clammy when the situation popped up and avoided answering at all cost. I decided not to ask anymore because it seemed to make everyone uncomfortable and to be honest, 
I wasn't sure if I wanted to know what happened to him. I'll never know whose blood was on that knife, or whether it was even blood. If so, I assume it was his own. I'm now 20, and in college. To me now, this is a distant memory. I know this isn't as bad as some stories on here, but to me, it was a truly terrifying part of my life. Lockdown Submitted by Hannah It's been several months since this happened, but the whole experience is ingrained into my mind. I'll tell you now that nothing terrible really did happen, but when you don't know exactly what's going on, and all you've heard sounds like doomsday prophecies, it's still a very traumatizing event. Let it be known that one of my teachers said that there are three kinds of people in an emergency. People who freak out, people who freeze up, and then there's people who help. Anyway, I'm 16 years old, and at my high school we have a preschool program. It's sort of like a daycare, in which the children come in for a few hours, so that we can teach them, take care of them, and observe their behavior. We have a double-sided mirror, so that we can see the preschooler and they can't see us. The preschool has its own door that goes outside, so that the parents don't have to navigate through the whole school to get to them. There's a connecting door next to the double-sided mirror that leads to that preschool. So Thursday was our group's observation day. I was usually the first one there, so naturally I was taking notes on the oncoming students. Then the announcement came on the speakers, saying that we were under a school lockdown. It said this wasn't a drill, and honestly I panicked a little bit. Now for normal classes... The students have to sit against the wall or under the tables, away from the walls and windows, so that they're in the safest part of the room, and so they can't be seen from the windows, if a dangerous suspect walks by. But our class was different. For us, because we run a preschool, we have this procedure which isn't really that different. The only difference is that we have to bring the parents and children into the teacher's office. As my teacher was trying to figure everything out, most of the students huddled in the corner. Me and a few others were by the connecting door, the one that connects the preschool to our room. We were there to make sure any other students that came by could be let in. My classmate, let's call her T, was going into the room to get children and parents inside, and I was staying by the door to open and close it for her. We began to stop thinking too much about the situation. Everything seemed calm outside, so maybe this was a drill after all. Or maybe it was just no big deal. But as time went on, the tension in the room became thick. My teacher was calling the front office, quickly confirming that the situation was very real. Because a man with a mask was spotted, walking around the school, peering into the classrooms. I was worried, but he was outside, so I thought that as long as we were okay now, we'd be fine until the police found him. As all of this was happening... T was getting texts from a group chat. Apparently, one class had a walkie-talkie. Usually, administrators and coaches had those. And it was on, and people could hear everything that was going down. So they typed it in the group chat to let everyone know. Of course, there were rumors of gunshots being heard in the auditorium. But that would have been heard throughout the school, I think. We didn't hear anything, so we decided to dismiss it. 
I was texting my mother throughout this. She seemed apathetic, and when I told her about the gunshots in the school, she literally said, Oh, that's weird. Can you hear them? So, thanks, Mom. Most of the children were in the office with their parents, so T and I were just sort of waiting by the door still. We started to talk in a whisper, and she had apparently been in a lockdown situation before. She said that she was lucky that she got out last time, and was praying that nothing happened this time around. Hearing this only scared me a bit more. She looked down at her phone, and she began to cry. My teacher walked over quietly, and she showed me the message saying, They're inside the school. I don't know what happened to me, but in that moment, everything inside of me went down. I was having an anxiety attack. I wasn't ready for what was going on. I didn't know what to do, and part of me was afraid that I'd die today. My teacher led us to the supply room. Now, when I have an anxiety attack, my legs become jelly, and I tune everything out around me. Some girls came in to help me calm down. It was dark in that room, so they used their phone lights to see. After I calmed down a little bit, I looked around, and I saw T in the corner, crying still. I crawled over to her, and I comforted her, and for some reason I kept going to help. I remember sitting in that room for so long, a couple of hours, I believe, in complete silence. God, that was the worst part of it. It was so quiet that I could hear the faint sobs of the girls around me, and every little click or clack outside the doors made me twitch, thinking that death was approaching. I couldn't stay there any longer, so when my teacher came in to get snacks for the children, I volunteered to help. The people around me thought I was crazy, one girl even said that it looked like I was prepping for war. So I went in with the preschoolers and distributed snacks. Not long after I started, an announcement came on. It was all over. I started crying, relieved, thankful that nothing really happened. And the funniest and best part about this story was apparently a student was just going to a dentist appointment. And as he was walking through the hall to leave the school... He was wearing a black beanie and his hair was in his face, and a teacher freaked out, thinking that he was wearing a mask, so she called it in. I kept helping because I felt like I needed to, in order to keep my own sanity. I wanted to help those around me instead of panic. Even though we were never in any real danger that day, the fear was all too real. So many of us weren't ready to die. My Kindergarten Teacher Was a Psycho Submitted by It's Leigh Ashton I was always the quiet, odd-one-out kid in my kindergarten class. For me, it was all quite overwhelming and different, because in preschool I was constantly the center of attention. Now it seemed like every kid often had a partner for everything before I could ask anyone. Even when people were away and we had an uneven amount of students, the others didn't want to be my partner. So the teacher threw them in with other groups, and I was always alone. But this was only a small part of the problem I had during my kindergarten year. My teacher was the biggest jerk I had ever met, and I still haven't met anyone worse than her. I will not disclose her name for privacy reasons, so I'll just refer to her as Mrs. Johnson. 
Mrs. Johnson didn't like me just because I was different. She didn't show any sympathy towards me being alone and was honestly quite short with me in general. Needless to say, I didn't like her either. I think she knew that. All the other kids in the class adored her though. They would come to school every other week with flowers or a je t'aime comme professeur card. Yes, this was a French immersion class, by the way. I live in British Columbia, Canada. After putting up with three months of this crap, I decided to make her a card myself, even though I didn't like her. I figured the other kids may respect me if I made a card too. I was desperate at that point. So I made a card during my free time, and I showed it to her before the bell rang. She put on a fake smile and fake giggled, and she said a very blunt, Merci before tossing the card in the recycling bin. Then she not so gently brushed me on the shoulder as she walked away. A few months go by, and I ended up not being to hold it during class while sitting on the so-called magic carpet. I had a bit of a number one accident. I would have loved some support, or someone to kindly walk me down to the office to call home for a new pair of shorts. But what does Mrs. Johnson do? She scolds me in front of the whole class for peeing myself, telling me to get the heck off the rug right now. Once I got up, she pointed at me and told the kids to look at me as I had peed myself. She was trying to turn them against me as if I was some sort of lesser creature. I don't think I've ever been so humiliated. About a few weeks after that, I lost my tooth during class and I told her, she said, I don't really care. Go to the office or something and get something to put it in. I don't care what you do, just do it and leave me alone already, please. So I did. The last event occurred to me about a little over a month before school would let out for the year, and this is by far the worst and most harsh of all the events. She was having a bad day. Yeah, I know, shocker, seems like every day was a bad day for her. Anyway, she was assigning us some group work that involved cutting. I was alone again as per usual, and right as I was about to start my individual project, she shouted my name as loud as she possibly could. I was so startled and surprised that I got goosebumps. In fact, it was so loud that I wouldn't be surprised that her throat was sore after calling my name. Then she freaking tosses a pair of scissors at me, followed by a stapler which lands on my big toe. Then she says, bring that damn stapler to the office right now. I wanted to tell her just what I thought of all the abuse she was putting me through during the year. But then she interrupts me before I can do anything. And she says, now, right now, or you'll get a trailer. Trailers were basically detention passes for my elementary school. Anyway, I do what she says, but I fake limp out of the class just to annoy her. And she opens that ugly trap of hers once again. Get the hell to the office right now. I run out of the class, heart pounding, holding back tears, and I do as she says. I wanted so badly to tell the principal at this point, but I think she wouldn't believe me, so I didn't. Nothing else terrible occurred that year. She worked there the following year as well, but luckily she wasn't my teacher, as she was still the teacher for the kindergartners. Now, the teacher I had for that year is still, to this day, Probably one of the nicest teachers I've ever had. Anyway, the year ends. I received news that Mrs. Johnson got a job somewhere else and would not be returning for the following year. I saw it as an opportunity, 
and I finally told my mom the whole story about everything that had happened in kindergarten. I told her the day that everyone got let out for summer break. But my mom was furious. Believe it or not, she wasn't mad at me for not telling the principal. She wanted to tell the principal herself, but the principal had left the school too, and a new one was coming in, so there wasn't much she could do. Well, later on, sometime in August of the same year, I was at the beach with my mother and sister. I wanted to go play on the playground, which was about a minute walk from where we were sitting, so my mom told me to be back in five minutes. As I was walking over there, I spotted Mrs. Johnson sitting in a lawn chair, beckoning me to come over. She said a brief, well, hello, Ashton, how are things? I didn't know why she was being so nice at the moment, but maybe she knew that I had told my mom. Anyway, I continue on my way to the playground for a few minutes to play. After finishing our quick conversation, then I head back to my mom. I tell her that Mrs. Johnson was there on a lawn chair. She gets up with me and my sister, and I lead her to where Mrs. Johnson was. Mrs. Johnson notices my mom and very quickly grabs her towel, her lawn chair, and umbrella, then basically makes a run for it. She manages to get in her vehicle and drive away. She basically got off scot-free. To this day, I still regret not telling the principal. She was a very nice principal, and she really liked having me as a student. Thinking about it now, if I had told her, I think she would have believed me, even if she hadn't. I could have told my mom, and she could have spoke on my behalf. I was and still am a very honest kid, so my mom or anyone who knows me well enough would never think I'm telling a fib. But to Mrs. Johnson, the teacher that never let me feel what a relaxing kindergarten year feels like, and instead gave me hell, let's never meet again. Alone at the School Lockdown Submitted by Tariana A. O. My school has two buildings. The older building is called the South, and the new is called the North Building, and each of them has three floors. Now let me tell you what happened on this horrible Monday morning. I do announcements for my school every single day, so I went through the front door to speak to Mr. Wilburn. Then I headed into the office, speaking to everyone else in the building that came into the office to clock in. I was like their co-worker, and it was fun getting to know the people that ran the school. My partner Ashley walked in right on time, and we began to settle in to do what we do every day. But when we were done, we decided to go straight to the gym instead of putting our bags away for the next class, like we usually did. As we walked into the South Building, we took the shortcut through the auditorium just to see if another teacher was in there to joke around. We eventually went to the gym, and it was empty, only because we'd gotten there before everyone else. Now, we didn't have a change of uniforms for gym, so we just sat our bags down and sat on the bench, waiting for everyone else to come. We didn't have our phones on us either, because they're collected at the front of the school when you enter. We sat there for far too long and nobody was coming, when we suddenly heard on the intercom, Dr. Einstein is in the building. Have a wonderful day, students. The two of us began to panic. I realized what they said. Ashley turned red. We were both left there, not knowing what to do and where to go. No teacher to guide or protect us. You see, what they said on the intercom 
It's a school code we're all taught very firmly here. It means someone's in the building, and that we're in the middle of a lockdown. I whispered to Ashley that since we're in the South Building, we must have some time to go to a classroom that has a closet or a way we can lock ourselves in from the inside. So, panicking, we ran to the third floor of the old quiet building, trying our very best to be as quiet as possible. We headed to the student game room since we knew our way around the school and we knew places to hide. We both took about five beanbags and hid in the closet so that we could circle them around us to look like a random pile of book bags. A weird idea, I know. But again, we weren't thinking clearly. In the distance, we could hear footsteps that were obviously coming from the lower level. Soon they became less and less distant. I heard Ashley crying, and I tried to tell her to be quiet, but what happened next was nothing pleasant. Someone, a man, said, Let's go, little girl. I wanted to cry. That meant the suspect was in our building. That meant they had found someone, a supposed victim. I was worried that we'd be next. What were we supposed to do now? I waited for about 30 minutes before I heard someone shuffling through the game room, right next to me. There were grunts of anger and irritation, and I heard the horrible and painful cry of a girl in the distance. Then I suddenly heard sirens from the window, and I was so relieved to find that this day would soon come to an end. Whoever was in the room must have heard it too, because they cursed under their breath then stomped angrily out of the game room and back downstairs. The two of us stayed in that closet for a long time. We began to feel sore on our legs and rears, but we fought every instinct to move or even twitch. We stayed just like that until the closet door suddenly opened and a tall man stood before us, dressed in black. It was a member of the SWAT team. He had a helmet on and carried a big rifle. I don't know much about guns. But what I do know is that we made it out alive that day. They caught the crazed man and found only one girl injured, but okay. Still though, deep down, I can't help but feel things could have been worse. I mean, the man had plenty of time to hurt that girl or much, much more. My Last Girlfriend Died Submitted by Mary When I was a freshman in high school, I experienced something that will make my first high school year unforgettable. There was this football player named Nick, and trust me when I say, he was every girl's dream guy. I mean, he was six foot one, smart, strong, and gorgeous. His eyes were a very beautiful blue. A guy like that, you'd think he'd be really popular, and in some ways he was. But he just hated the idea of being around other people. And unlike any other guy, he never partied or did anything fun. To be honest, he seemed kind of boring. The creepiness all started when I was waiting for a guy friend to finish with his football practice. Two other girls were sitting there with me waiting for my friend Scott. Nick and two other guys walked over to us. The guys he was with were holding back their laughs. Hi, Mary, Nick said in a really creepy but deep voice. He was a senior, and I was a freshman, so I was very confused as to how he knew my name. My 15-year-old self was a very, very rude person, and as the rude person I was, I simply ignored him. One of the guys spoke up and said, Would you ladies like to go to the prom with us? 
They laughed out loud and walked away. At this point, I thought they were all on something. But I shook it off. I just said to myself that high school boys are dumb. Finally, Scott came by, and my two friends who were waiting with me left. Now, Scott had to leave really quick to change, so I went and started talking to the coach. At the same time, Nick was done changing himself, and he was on the field now staring at me and the coach. He approached us and started to talk to the coach as well about missing a game or something like that. So I simply excused myself from the conversation. Later on that day, when I was at the mall with Scott, I asked him about Nick, and he told me Nick was a very nice guy, but he had a thing for younger women. Now, I was dying of happiness because Nick was amazing looking, and he did sort of acknowledge my existence before. I just couldn't tell if they were joking or not. But now, I knew he wasn't. Days passed, and homecoming was in a few weeks. I wasn't even planning on going at first. But everything changed when Nick asked me during lunch. It was like a dream come true to me. Nick and I talked for a while about where to meet and when he's going to pick me up. All that stuff. Not soon enough, homecoming finally came around, and it was very fun. The downside was the seniors decided to prank the younger kids so without us knowing, they put alcohol in the drinks. Later, the party was over, and Nick was supposed to drive me home to my best friend's house because I was going to sleep over, but instead he parked at the beach. Now, at first, I didn't mind. The scene was very romantic, until he said, My last girlfriend died. Now, I got very uncomfortable right away, and the topic seemed to just get weirder as we talked. Honestly, I thought he was playing a joke on me, but he was starting to push his body against mine, which made me angry, and his arms were rubbing my feet and slowly moving into bad places. I was only 15 years old, and he was acting like he was in heat. I told him my best friend's mom was asking about where I was, which caused him to get a little irritated, but he drove me to her house anyways. It was a relief. We ended the night with a simple kiss, which made him less angry, but I was very much freaked out. I told my best friend about it, and she said he probably just had too many drinks. I woke up the next day to ten missing calls from Scott. I was so confused. Why had he called me like that? What did he want? I called him back right away, and he said very frantically that I shouldn't have left with Nick. I asked why. He explained to me, during Nick's freshman year of high school, the same thing happened. Nick had one too many, and he ended up causing his girlfriend's death. Nobody knew exactly how. I mean, he was there in the school with us, so he was never arrested, but somehow that made it all the more terrifying. After I told Nick what I heard, I saw him outside of my best friend's house, staring down at him through the window. I was so done with Nick, but I guess that was the end of it. He started to act like he didn't know me, and like nothing happened that night. High school ended and he was out, but I did receive one last text from Nick. It read, You reminded me of her in so many ways. You looked like her. Your kiss felt like hers, and so did your touch. I'm glad we didn't do anything that night, because that's how she died. I'm 21 now, and thinking about it, I could have lost my life that night. 
I still get chills when I wonder what was going through his mind at that moment. When I think about how he might have killed his girlfriend. College submitted by Christian. I'm a 19-year-old American college student, and I attend North Lake College in the Dallas area. This story, however, isn't going to be from my perspective, but rather from my girlfriend's. Here's some background. If you didn't hear already, about a month ago, an active shooter came onto our school's campus and began to open fire. I was thankfully at a satellite campus during the ordeal, but my girlfriend was on the main campus at the time when it happened and experienced much more than I did. She was in the middle of her class, reviewing for the final next week. It was a really normal day, and nothing out of the ordinary had happened at all so far. Though we did have a weird instance the day before, where the dean got over the intercom and told everyone an emergency had reported on campus. But all we had to do was evacuate, and it turned out to be a fake threat, so no one was in real danger. But not less than 24 hours later, my girlfriend was sitting in class, and only about 100 feet down the hall, they began to hear shots ringing out. She says that her heart sank when she heard it. They sounded close. They sounded too real. One of the students in her class immediately closed and locked the door, as everyone in the class piled up into the least visible corner. Then the dean came onto the intercom again, but he sounded frustrated and panicked, only managing to say, we're in a lockdown. At this time, they began to send alerts on our system. Everyone's phones rang and buzzed with the alert. Those who weren't sure before from the gunshots, their expressions turned into ones of worry and fear. The alert said that there was an active shooter at North Lake. They stayed at the lockdown for a long time. The authorities weren't exactly sure which campus it was at, and they definitely didn't know how many accomplices there were, whether or not this was a collaborative shooting or something other than that. Anyway, my girlfriend described how terrified she was. It's that sort of scared you get when you realize your life is at risk for the first time. Luckily, after what seemed like forever, the police began sweeping the building, room to room, dorm by dorm. Every student they found, they safely evacuated from the building and thank God, she made it out okay. I'm honestly glad I wasn't there, because I really can't imagine going through something that traumatizing at a place where you're supposed to feel safe. For me, the scariest part, the part where my eyes began to water with fear and sadness, was when I was messaging my girlfriend over and over, calling her too, but she was unable to pick up. Turns out it was due to the school's horrible cell phone reception, but I'll never be able to forget that horrible feeling, that feeling of not knowing whether someone you love is dead or alive. The Creep with the Camera Submitted by Margot I'm 15 and regularly, I used the bus to go to and from high school. I would walk home with one of my friends, and on this occasion, she was coming home with me. It was winter time, so it got darker earlier, and it was about twilight when we were walking home, 
so we were extra cautious. Now you should know that these buses are actually city buses. They were just reserved for high school students and teachers. But on this day, the bus unusually stopped at a corner and someone stepped on. He was definitely no student or teacher. It seemed to be a middle-aged man. He was very poorly dressed, and at first the bus driver attempted to get him off. This man was very obviously dirty. I could spot grease stains from my seat in the bus. Anyway, as the bus driver was trying to get the guy to get off the bus, the man became very angry and threatened the bus driver. But eventually the guy calmed down, and he pulled out a massive wad of money. I was surprised at how much money he had. I mean, by his appearance. It didn't look like he had much to himself. It was at this point that I also noticed that the man had a camera dangling from around his neck. Now, at this point, I was filled with as many questions as you are. I mean, why did the bus driver even stop to let this guy on? Maybe he thought it was a kid through the window. I'm not really sure. The point is, this guy was on the bus now, surrounded by kids a quarter of his age. After the bus driver stopped hassling him, he put on a very friendly and false smile. His teeth were a gross yellow, and a few more were crooked, making gaps in his smile. You could almost smell the bad breath from afar. Most of the bus had their eyes on him after his outburst, but after that he began to scan the audience of kids, and then his eyes connected with mine. My friend and I both tensed up when he walked over towards us, and then he sat right next to me. Most of the people that had gotten on the bus were gone already. They had been dropped off at their homes. Those that remained like us, they were spread out, so there were dozens of seats still open. So he could have sat anywhere, but for some reason he decided to sit very close to me. I tried not to pay this guy much mind, but when he sat down he practically squished up against me, and I was instantly uncomfortable. It was like the guy was trying to touch me. He smiled and I turned my head to my friend and started to have a quiet conversation, trying to ignore him and hope that he would just leave us alone. But of course, we were wrong. Hey, girls. His voice was raspy, as if he hadn't drank any water, not in a while. Now, the city we live in, there was a lot of crime. So kids like us, we pretty much had our fair share of creeps from time to time. I guess you could say that we just learned to deal. So I don't want to seem stuck up or rude when I say this, but I completely ignored the guy. So did my friend. She just kept her eyes on me and not on him in any way. We were really just trying to pretend that he wasn't there at all. It seemed to really make him mad that we didn't respond. And out of nowhere, the guy latched his hand onto my thigh. I jumped and shoved him off, glaring at him. Don't touch her, you freak. My friend snapped at him. He just smiled that weird smile at her and continued to stare at us as the bus drove on. After an awkward and long ride, the man finally got off, but this made me nervous because he'd gotten off one stop before ours. At first, I thought we were going to be okay until our stop came because I hadn't expected his stop to be so close to ours and I definitely didn't expect him to follow the bus to our stop. We stepped off the bus and began walking home. We were talking to each other about that creep on the bus, 
saying that it was going to make a great story to share with our friends at school the next day. As we walked, an uneasy feeling rushed over me, and I continuously began to look behind me. It's kind of hard to explain, but down one of the long streets, there was a large thicket of bushes in which someone could definitely hide in. My friend grabbed my arm, and we both suddenly stopped. Did you... did you hear that? She asked, glancing around. She seemed very nervous. Her eyes scanned the bushes to our side, before she shrugged and turned. I thought maybe she had just heard a squirrel or bird or something like that, before she leaned in and finally whispered in my ear. I think someone is in the bushes. I thought she was just pranking me, but the look on her face was dead serious. It felt like my heart stopped when she said that, and I did my best not to look towards those bushes. My friend fell quiet and I slowed down, focusing on the sounds around me. A quiet click emerged from the bushes, multiple times. I was no stranger to cameras. I had had photography classes even, and I could easily distinguish that the sound that was coming from the bushes was the sound of a camera taking a picture. It was at that moment that my head snapped towards those shrubs. I just couldn't stop myself. Out of paranoia and curiosity, I found my gaze going right towards where the sound was coming from, and only moments later, my eyes met with the men from the bus. I froze completely. Not only was he taking pictures of us, but he had his hand in his sweatpants doing God knows what. I felt so disgusted and dirty at that point. I, I wanted to throw up. I wanted to go home and take a shower. Instead of stopping when he realized he got caught, he simply stared at us with that big, creepy smile. And then he stepped out of the bushes. He stepped towards us. Now I wasn't just angry. I was scared. This guy obviously wasn't normal. So if he was coming after us, what was he going to do? What did he have planned? My friend and I took off running towards my house. And for the first few seconds, I didn't even know I was screaming. I'd never run so fast in my life. My heart was pounding out of my chest. And for some reason, my vision was blurry. The only thing I could focus on was getting to my house. My mind was blank. I could barely hear anything. Thankfully, we had a massive front gate outside of our house, and I slammed it shut before he could get close enough. As we ran up on the porch, still racing for the front door, I heard this maniacal laughter behind us, the laughter of a man who had gotten what he wanted. As I fumbled nervously for my keys, I looked back and I saw him gripping the frosty bars of our gate. He was still coming, trying to break through, he shook them multiple times before I shoved open the door and pulled my friend inside. I closed and locked the door immediately, coming face to face with my large dog. She was part pit bull, part something else, but she was the sweetest dog I'd ever met. The moment we stepped in, it was like she could tell something was wrong, and she began snarling. I pushed open the door and let her out. I watched as she ran down the porch, viciously tearing down the steps and running towards the man at the gate. The moment he saw her, he took off down the street. She walked back inside, proud but still snarling at the guy in the distance. Again, I slammed and locked the door shut.
Later on, when my parents got home, I told them all about it. They didn't hesitate to believe me, and they called the police. And they caught the guy, thank God. After other similar reports, the man was found, huddled outside behind a dumpster, staring into an apartment with his camera. He was apparently taking pictures of two young girls in their rooms. They took his camera away, and supposedly there had been hundreds of pictures of different girls, all teenagers, all underage. Anyway, you can probably understand that my family was sick and tired of being in such a dangerous neighborhood. So the moment it was possible for us, we moved away. I was still close to school though, and around my friends, just in another location. To this day, I'm extremely cautious of people around me, and I've learned to take note of their appearance and accessories, such as cameras. So if anyone ever makes me feel suspicious again, I'll be able to make a better report if it ever came down to that. I'm just extremely grateful that I wasn't alone that day, that our house had a gate, that we had a loyal, strong dog. It chills me to wonder what would have happened if my friend wasn't there that day, because after all, she was the one that noticed the sounds coming from the bushes. I truly hope that none of you have to go through something like this. Scary Lockdown, Sort of Submitted by Carrie I live in a small neighborhood with rather nice people. When something even relatively small happens here, it definitely makes the news. From all the years I've lived here, I've only had about three bad situations or incidents, and one of those three was a lockdown. Not a practice lockdown, but a real one. I was in elementary school, and as far as I remember it, it was a Tuesday sometime in December. I remember it being a few days after my birthday, as I had just turned about 10 years old. I was in another classroom for RTII, or as our school called it, Power Hour. It was literally just RTII under a different name. Me and a few friends were in a group learning about polar bears for some reason. We're all talking about where they live, why they're white. We talked about this stuff for nearly 15 minutes before the loudspeaker suddenly came on and interrupted us. The lady behind the loudspeaker spoke in a rather fearful tone. Please get your coats on. As I said, I was in another class, and my coat was in a completely different room down a different hallway, so I had to leave the class to get my coat. When I got up to do as I was told, the teacher said it wasn't necessary, that I should just sit back down, so I did. Of course, without a worry on our minds, we went back to talking about the polar bears for around 15 seconds, before once more the loudspeaker came on. Lockdown, she said three times. Being in the fourth grade, I was absolutely terrified. I ran over to the area where the book bags were and hid. Around ten other students and the teacher came flooding in after us. We hid in that small cramped spot for nearly fifteen minutes. It was pouring rain outside. There was thunder and lightning booming and flashing outside. And because we didn't know what was going on, we couldn't be sure if each boom or flash was lightning or gunshots. Many of the kids were crying, and others were hugging each other, saying it'd be okay, but I don't think they believed it either. The teacher kept shushing us, telling us that we had to be quiet. 
I have no idea how that teacher could keep her chill in such a terrifying situation. For another hour of being stuck in that small area, the lady on the loudspeaker suddenly came back on. Our class was relieved, and we began to get back up. We thought it was over. Maybe it was just an extra long drill, or maybe if anything did go down, it was just over, and we didn't experience a thing of it. But as we were helping each other up, the loudspeaker began to go on and off in rapid succession, each time making a fuzzy clicking noise. Then the fire alarm sounded, and kids began to scream. More kids were crying than ever. We all ran to the door to rush out, while our teacher chased after us, trying to calm everyone down. But I could see the panic in her eyes as well. She yelled at us, trying to tell us to get in a straight line, to shut our mouths. Soon we smelled smoke coming from the end of the hallway, while kids ran out of their classrooms, much more hysterical than we had been. I heard a few kids scream that they didn't want to die. My grade couldn't say anything, because we were the oldest grade. We were the role models, or so our teachers said. And as such, we being the fourth graders, were the last ones out of the building. It's beyond scary for us, but luckily no one was burned or left behind, anything like that. We got outside, and the second we got out there, there was a cold gust of air. I remember never being this cold in my life. My friend tried to hug me and walk me around to warm me up, but nothing worked. I don't think it was the temperature chilling me to the core. Eventually, though, my teacher gave us a coat to share. My friend and I were letting people use it for about a minute or two for those who needed it. Kids were scrambling to find their teachers, others just running to get coats. All of us were outside for around two hours. Out there with us were police cars, firemen, everything. Everything you'd expect in an emergency or crisis situation. Buses were called over to the school, and everyone was brought to somewhere safe, somewhere a little bit further away, just in case. The school didn't burn down or anything like that, so therefore we had to go to school the next day. And going back to school the next day, we finally figured out what was happening. Apparently, someone started a fire, and then someone else made a bomb threat. And to this day, no one knows who did it. But personally, I don't ever want to figure out who it was. I'll never forgive them for making the whole school think that this was their last day on Earth. The Ranch Submitted by Some Drummer Boy It was my junior year of high school in 2010. For a project, I was to be a part of my city's police explorer program. The advisor between the school and the program had planned a trip to his uncle's ranch in Uvalde, Texas. Everyone else had gone the previous year and were saying how fun it would be. You know, the stereotypical hype. I wasn't as thrilled about it until someone mentioned something about ghosts. I was skeptical about these claims, but my curiosity got the best of me. My friend Nathan was ecstatic about the trip, and so I thought to myself, well, at least I'll have someone to talk to. It was about 11 that night when we arrived, and I began to record with my dad's video camera. We set up our tents and the rest of our provisions. It was like an extra long field trip. While we were setting up, our advisor's uncle had a big fire pit going. My friend Kathy walked towards a trailer and took a picture with a digital camera. She then had a concerned look on her face, so I walked over and asked, What's wrong? She then asked me, 
Does this look like a face to you? I looked at the screen and saw a strange looking face, and this face was looking directly back at us. That's weird. Take another one, just to be sure. And she did. When we looked at the screen again, the face was still there, but this time it looked like it was screaming at us. She sped walked back to the others while I stayed behind, trying to figure out what caused that figure to appear. That was weird enough for me, but that wasn't the freakiest part at all. I was walking back towards the group when our advisor's uncle asked if anyone wanted to volunteer to retrieve some lawn chairs that were by an old oak tree down the road. Of course, the group of lazy high schoolers remained silent, like they were too afraid to go out, away from the group. Nate and I were the only newbies, and we cheerfully volunteered, and everyone looked at us like we were crazy. I had my dad's camera in one hand and my flashlight in the other. As we walked down the semi-pitch black road, the tree was a lot farther down the road than I had anticipated, about a quarter mile by my estimation. I let the camera hang down once we reached that tree, which was in an open field to the left of the road. We began to brush off any webs and or brush that may have been on us. I bent down to pick up one of the chairs to bring it back, when we heard the laughing of a little girl. Me and Nate snapped to attention and looked at each other. I asked him, Dude, did you hear that? Yeah, and that's why we're getting the hell out of here, he said. We shined our lights up and down the tree to find no one in it. And we looked out into the field as well, and there was no one there. We grabbed the chairs fast, and we began to walk backwards towards the campsite, keeping our eyes on where the noise had come from. When we got back, everyone asked if anything weird had happened, and I said that we heard the laugh of a little girl. Apparently, they just wanted to tease us for being scared in the first place, saying that we had just imagined it. We were all gathered around the fire pit, and my friend Kathy came to us and said that she believed us, because the last time they came, she took a picture of the tree, and there, sitting in one of the branches was a little girl. There have been other weird happenings during our stay at the ranch, but those were the strangest moments I had, and despite failing to catch anything supernatural on my dad's camera, when I got home, my dad's camera simply stopped working. So maybe I did catch something, and whatever I caught a glimpse of, didn't like that very much. Elementary Horror Submitted by Melanie in During my grade school years, I went to a very small school almost completely surrounded by woods. At that elementary school, the girls' bathroom was only lit by a small window, that and whatever light shone through the doorway. There actually wasn't a door on it. Being that as it was, the last stall was always really dark, so no one would use it. We were kids, after all, all of us still scared of the dark. The earliest I can remember sensing it was in third grade. We were having indoor recess as usual when it rains, and I had to use the bathroom, so I made my way over. When I was inside, I noticed that someone was sitting down in the last stall. Because that stall was so dark all the time, all I saw was the silhouette of someone's legs. So I entered another stall and did my business. When I was done, I walked over to the sinks. As I was washing my hands, I heard a loud bang from the last stall, and I looked back, and the stall was closed. It was like someone slammed it open to scare me, then shut it before I could look. 
so I figured someone was just trying to prank me. Maybe it was even my friend M, because we had just been talking about that same stall the day before. So I walk over to the stall and open the door. It opens with ease, and no one's inside. No one's in the bathroom at all with me. I didn't see anyone leave, so it really freaked me out. The moment I saw that, I power walked back to class, where I asked him if she was in the bathroom. She said no, that she'd been sitting there the whole time. Ever since then, stuff like that continued to happen. It seemed like every time I was in that bathroom alone, the stall door would move on its own, and you would have this unexplainable feeling of dread the whole time you were in there. I asked the other girls in my class. Like I said, it was a small school, so there were only about 15 other girls in the whole third grade. But apparently, they said that nothing had happened to them, that it was just some lame story the girls talk about to scare each other. I couldn't have been the only one, right? Maybe I was just paranoid. The next year, in fourth grade, things only got worse. While washing my hands once, all of the stall doors shut at the same time, hard, and though I just used the bathroom, I almost peed. When I looked back into the mirror, I swear I saw the silhouette of a girl standing behind me near one of the stalls. But when I turned around, there would be no one there. I honestly felt like I was losing my mind. I quickly grew tired of it, so I started to walk to the B-Wing bathroom, the one that was meant for visitors and teachers. Wing A was for the students. I got in trouble a few times, and finally they told me that if I went into the B-Wing bathroom again, I would get a note home. I was one of the good kids, so getting a note home really scared me. So I would just wait to use the bathroom until I got home. The next year after that, one day in the fifth grade, M dared me to drink three cartons of milk, so I did. And soon I had to use the bathroom, of course. So I walked with them because I'm afraid of being in there alone still. She knows this, so while I'm in the stall doing my business, she just leaves. She thought it was funny. I tried to open the stall, and it feels as if someone is pushing on it to keep it closed. At that point, I didn't know that Ilm had left, so I said, Ha ha, very funny, quit trying to scare me. I looked under the stall, though, and when I did, I saw no one there, even as I continued to push, feeling the weight of someone or something on the other side. There was nothing there, and I couldn't get out. Immediately, I crawled out from the side of the stall and ran to the lunchroom. I'm not really sure what's happening or what's caused it, I have heard a rumor that a girl a long, long time ago had slit her wrists in that last stall, and something tells me that that's true. I only had a few more months at that school, so I stopped using it altogether. I wouldn't even walk by it for the remainder of my time there. The school shut down in 2015, but now it's being turned into a museum for the local history, and I can only wonder, what kind of hauntings and sightings will the people have there? Rest assured, I will not be stopping by that museum, ever. Sean Submitted by Sakura Let me begin with a little backstory. I'm 14 years old, and I look a bit older than my age. Most people think that I'm 18 or 19. I'm in my last year of high school. I'm currently taking college and medical school prep courses at the high school. I'm from an incredibly wealthy family, 
My parents own a successful company, and both sets of my grandparents are old money. My parents are always gone on business trips. I see them maybe three times a month if I'm lucky. So I try to keep myself occupied with various clubs and activities at school, like different sports, web design, and coding. And sometimes I help my aunt out with her bookstore and coffee shop. So luckily there's not much downtime, because honestly I don't like being alone. I have several siblings. My younger siblings are at boarding schools in Europe, and I have an older brother who's 17 who lives with me. But he attends college, so he's always busy. We basically live alone, minus the security and the occasional bodyguard. My mom has always insisted on having a bodyguard, but my older brother is a black belt in karate and works out regularly. Whether I think I need or don't need the security, I absolutely hate it, so I try to find ways to skip out on it as much as I can. Anyway, this year when I started college classes at the high school, I got a seat next to this guy. He was a little overweight, but he was nice enough. I'm a very reserved and serious person, and I'll admit I can be very cold if I feel like it, so of course I always greeted him with a hello, just to follow up with nothing unless he spoke to me. Come to find out, his name was Sean. Sean was actually really nice, so I talked with him a bit. I told him my name, and that's about it. Again, I'm a private person, so I don't really like to reveal too much. The next time I was in class, out of the blue, he asked me if I wanted to go get coffee with him. At this point in time, I haven't actually said my name, and people always think I'm at least 18. So, of course, I politely declined, saying I have to work. I lied, but I was kind of surprised, so that's why I thought of it in two seconds. So, uh, when might you be free? He said. Well, I'm usually pretty busy after classes, I replied, but then he insisted. What are you busy with? He said. By then, I was pretty creeped out. I tried to explain to him that I have a lot of things going on, specifically a music recital, among other things. I didn't say it to him, but I wasn't really looking for a relationship. But then he said, you have really pretty eyes, and he just kept hitting on me during the whole class. Uh, thank you, I said. Eventually, I think he took the hint, because he stopped talking to me for the rest of the class, then on out. After class, I walked into the parking lot, where one of the security guards was there to pick me up. The ride home was normal, and nothing out of the ordinary happened the rest of the day. The next time I attended classes, he wasn't there, which makes me feel slightly relieved. Class finishes as usual, and I was walking down the hall, my book bag on my shoulder. I was looking down at my phone, scrolling through Tumblr, and suddenly I run into someone. I apologize as I look up. And, of course, it's Sean. How quaint. Hey, I didn't think I'd see you here, he said. He seemed very enthusiastic. How have you been, he asked. Is track going well for you? I felt my heart drop in my chest, because I never said anything about doing track. I assumed that maybe he found my Instagram or a social profile, something that revealed that I was a track runner and that relieved a bit of the nervousness. It's fine, I said, and I tried to walk past him, but he just moved in front of me. And I didn't know you spoke French, he said. This was something else that he shouldn't know. My family spoke French, only at home, only in our personal time. My dad was French, and my mother half so, and they wanted us to be bilingual growing up, 
so they spoke both languages when we were home. This one I didn't have an excuse for. It's not something anyone would know, not even on my social profiles. I really have to run. My dad is picking me up, I told him. This was a lie, but I felt a bit safer saying that my dad was here, even though my dad was busy at the time. So, are you French or something? He said. Yes. I don't know why I answered. I should have just ignored him. I'm done with him at this point, and I try to shove him out of the way. When I do, he looks at me with a very shocked expression, and I walk past him. I don't mention anything to my guard that day when he picks me up, but I'm definitely unsettled. Maybe I should have said something. But luckily for me, Sean doesn't show up in class for the next few days, so I continue with my life. One evening, I'm at my aunt's bookstore, chilling with her. I'm running the cash register, and she's reorganizing the displays. It's around 8 in the evening, and it was pretty slow that day. Someone suddenly opened up the door, and my aunt greeted them cheerfully as she always does. I instinctively look up from my computer, and the moment I saw him, I freeze. It's Sean. I slide underneath the counter and pull out my phone to text my aunt. I hear someone shuffle over to the counter and I look up. It's Sean leaning over. Hi, I'm ready to check out. He's so cheerful all the time, and it's insanely creepy. I sigh and stand up, and I'm fed up. What do you want from me? What? He says. You couldn't have just come into this bookstore coincidentally. What are you talking about? I need to buy this biology handbook. I give him this glare as I check him out and back his book. I hand it to him and continue glaring at him. He just grins that creepy grin and leaves. My aunt dropped me off at my house later that evening, around 10 o'clock. Not once during this whole Sean thing was I worried about him breaking into my house, because we have a security gate. Well, that night, I was upstairs with my brother in the movie room. We were studying for one of our classes. We both get texts to come downstairs from the head of our security, so I follow my brother downstairs. And out by the gate, we saw Sean. He had tried to break into the house. One of the guards asked if I knew him, because he claimed to have known me. But I said... No, of course I don't. And that's when Sean's happy demeanor vanished. He now wore this scowl, his eyebrows furled. Then he began screaming and kicking, yelling at me about how I was leading him on. Then he said something he shouldn't have. He said he would slit my wrists like my brother had. He said that I was selfish and deserved to be dead. One thing my family doesn't talk about is the way my oldest brother committed suicide just a few years ago. Sean knew too much. Sean knew more than he should have, and Sean got way too close to home. We're pressing charges against him, and I still don't think he knows how old I really am. I'm sure other people have had it worse, but this is by far the scariest experience I've ever had. From there on out, I was honestly a bit more thankful for my security. Two Schools, Four Ghosts Submitted by DarkMaid96 So these experiences happened at two separate schools. I myself am from Roswell, New Mexico, and I know what you're thinking right away. Area 51 and Aliens? The answer is no to both. Besides, Area 51 is in Nevada, 
Truth be told, Roswell is actually a really small city in New Mexico. The first school, my middle school, was literally right behind my house. And I mean that as in our back fence meets up with the track. It's a fairly small middle school. I was in the eighth grade, so I was around 13 at the time. I was sitting in my tutorial math class because I failed that portion of the standardized test the year before with three other people at my table. Let's call them Mike, John, and Crystal. We were just sitting there at the table, talking amongst ourselves and working on our worksheets. Our teacher had stepped out of the room for something and closed the door behind him. In any school in that town, the doors to the classrooms lock on the outside, so no one could get in unless someone inside opens the door, or they have a key. So the teacher, let's call him Coach A, he was the football coach, was out of the room, leaving the assistant teacher, Miss Perez, in charge. And literally out of nowhere, we hear a knock at the door. Just as anyone would, the teacher goes and answers it. But no one is there. Where that classroom was, no one could have run away that fast. But she shrugged it off and closed the door. A few moments later, we hear it again. So again she gets up and opens the door, only to have the door yanked open from her hands. She manages to get it closed, only to have it swing open again. She tries and tries to pull it closed to no avail. Then Mike, who I mentioned earlier, gets up and tries to pull it closed himself, and he simply can't. He says something very creepy, something around, something keeps pulling on the door. But there's no one there. So, Crystal and John and I go over and help Mike pull it closed. I'm not sure what happened that day. I still wonder what could have been pulling on that door. Fast forward to my freshman year of high school. I was in PE class. I was having issues with my knee. My friend, let's call her Alice, was in a boot. You know, for like a sprained or broken ankle. So, the two of us being injured, the coach made us walk laps around the gym and sit down if we needed to rest. We were walking laps by the east corner of the top south balcony of the bleachers. After several laps, we got an uneasy feeling. It was an intense sensation of someone's eyes on us. Now, where we were, there were pictures of the varsity basketball teams on the walls. And this is where it gets weird. We noticed the eyes on various pictures, one at a time, would follow us. And I'm not talking about the illusion of a painting's eyes looking at you. These eyes were rolling and pointing at us. The moment we looked away from being creeped out from these pictures, we noticed a dark figure on the balcony with us. Immediately, we jumped, and the thing simply vanished. It was a surprising and terrifying moment, but it happened so fast. Personally, I believe it's the ghost of a student who was killed there. Story goes, back in 1991... Two men dressed in police uniforms came into the school asking for this kid, who happened to be on the basketball team. They pulled him out of the school and proceeded to kill him. Now he haunts the place. This last story comes from my sophomore year of high school. I was in the band. I was a flute player and I sat in the front row right in front of the band director. Before I really get into this one, let me explain how the band hall is set up. It's a building separate from the school. There is the main practice room with two doors leading outside, one toward the main part of the school and the other to the practice field. Again, these are the same types of doors that open outwards and are locked from the inside. 
Then there are these two large wooden doors leading down a short hall of double outside doors that face the portable buildings. The instrument storage room had a door leading into the hallway and to the practice room. Then there's the office right across and various other rooms including two uniform closets and the music library. Now at the time, all the doors leading outside were closed and the band director closed the double wooden doors and the door to the instrument room. He pulled up a piece of sheet music that was an original. There was no other copy to it. The thing was torn up and crinkled. He was explaining to us that that piece was for trumpets or trombones. I can't remember which exactly. When all of a sudden, all the doors in the place open with huge force. More force than I'd ever seen. And again, these doors are locked on the outside. It can only be opened from the inside or by someone who has a key. It felt extremely cold and windy inside the room. Yet there was no wind outside, and by any means it would not have been able to blow the doors open like that. It was simply impossible. One door slammed shut, and I felt something like someone slapping my shin, then grabbing my leg and attempting to pull on me, and then it let go, and as soon as it did, another door was forced open again, and as quickly as it began, everything just stopped, and calmly the doors closed. We all sat there in silence looking around. After a while, the band director finally said, Man, I love it when George does that. It really freaks you out, doesn't it? George, you see, is the band hall's resident ghost. He's supposed to be friendly, but likes to mess with people. But friendly is the last thing I felt from this presence. George is just a name we gave him. One day later that year, we found a newspaper article about a guy who had attended the school back in the day. He was a very passionate and talented band member. He graduated and went to Texas Tech where he was also in band. Unfortunately, he contracted tuberculosis and died. We like to think that it's his ghost, and that wasn't the only experience with him, but definitely the scariest and most surprising. I'm 20 now, graduated in 2014, and I'm in the military. And thinking about these experiences, sometimes I miss being in school and sometimes I don't. My Stalker, Gary Submitted by Kitty Cat I guess you could say I am lucky in life. I am attractive, a young female with long flowing blonde hair, and voluptuous for my age. But in other ways I am unlucky, let me tell you how. It all started when I was a senior in a New Jersey high school when a creepy and thin kid named Gary enrolled there. Even though Gary was super thin, creepy, and awkward, he was surprisingly strong and beat to a pulp some bullies who mistakenly thought he was weak. Unfortunately for me, Gary was in my gym class and he became infatuated with me. I remember in gym the boys wore t-shirts and shorts, and the girls wore t-shirts and shorts as well. But being in gym class, sometimes I wore spandex tights with my sneakers. That was a bad idea. This led Gary to become even more attracted to me. I remember when I was running around the track at gym, when Gary ran up to me. Jamie, would you like to go out with me? He said with a leering grin on his face. No, thanks Gary, you're just, you're not my type. I tried to say this as sweetly as possible, but it did not go over very well as Gary then grabbed my arm violently. You will want to go out with me, he yelled angrily. This behavior from Gary frightened me. My girlfriend Donna ran up to us and then whisked me out of Gary's hands. 
Leave her alone, Gary. You heard what she said. And we quickly walked away. Looking back on all this now, I should have called the gym teacher, the school principal, or even my dad, someone for help. But I just for some reason didn't. I was probably afraid that Gary might kill me for doing so. Later in health class, Gary slid next to me as he started to rub my leg. I quickly brushed off his hand from my lap. Gary then looked creepily at our gym teacher and said, Mrs. Perillo is not nearly as built as you are. He said with a joker maniac laugh as he started to lay his hand on my lap again. Again, I brushed it off. Great, I had a sick perverted guy harassing me in class. Plus, surprisingly, Gary's father was a police detective. A police detective with a sick perverted son stalking the hell out of me. And all that stalking did not cease just in the classroom. Things happened outside of school as well. Soon later one night, my girlfriend Donna and I took a bus to a movie we wanted to see. When we got off the bus, we noticed that Gary had followed us there sneakily in his car. Donna and I then paid for our movie tickets and rushed into our particular movie hoping that Gary did not see which movie we went to see. As luck would have it, he did, and he sat right next to me. Wow, Jamie, you're one sexy young girl. Are you sure you don't want to go out with me? He asked me for the millionth time. This time I just grabbed Donna's hand and rushed past him as we left the theater. There was one time when my friends and I were walking down the sidewalk together and Gary literally jumped out of a freaking bush and he grabbed me. I've never been so scared in my life. All of us screamed and I quickly got out of Gary's grasp and ran away with my friends. It was lucky for me that Gary did not know where I lived or my cell phone number or he would always be hounding me with calls and things like that. One of the last times Gary bothered me was when I was walking down the hallway in school. Gary pinched my butt, making me drop my school books all over the floor. Are you absolutely sure you don't want to date me? Gary asked, leering at me with a wide, evil grin on his face. As I quickly picked up my books and went to class, he walked away laughing crazily. Fortunately for me, I was a senior in high school and I was going to graduate soon, which I did happily. I enrolled in an out-of-state college and was happy. Thoughts of Gary never left my mind though, and I was hoping I'd never meet the guy again. But life is never certain. Late one night, my cell phone buzzed in my college room. I woke up in bed with a startled fright. I usually don't get calls this late, even though I do have my phone on in case of emergencies. It was a female friend from my hometown. She told me that Gary was centered in a court case. He was found guilty of murdering his then-girlfriend. He was sentenced to life in prison. Apparently, though, he ended up hanging himself in a prison cell. I felt bad for Gary's parents. But to be honest, I felt no sympathy for Gary. He had harassed me throughout high school. And he killed someone. As I said before, life is uncertain. But, terrible as it sounds, I was glad that Gary would never bother me again. Elementary School Creeper Submitted by Ashley I live in a small ocean town with many little communities. My community is grid-shaped with alphabetical streets, and it's almost surrounded by the ocean on all sides. At the end of the road, leading in or out of the community, is a small school. This is the grade school my younger sister, Gabrielle, attends. 
She has ADHD, so she stays after to do extra sports with her gym teacher and seven other students. Now, my parents both work very hard and long hours with their jobs, so I often have to walk and pick up my sister myself from her school. Well, it was a rainy Friday at around 3.45 in the afternoon. I was walking to go pick up my sister like I usually do. Behind me was a man who looked to be in his early 30s. He was carrying a flat box, looking like a pizza box, but the box was blank and he wasn't wearing a uniform. So I put in my earbuds and 10 minutes later I notice he's still following me, even though I've rounded a few corners since then. I turned down the music I had been playing as it was a busy street so I could listen for cars and oncoming traffic. The man behind me then called out in a low guttural voice. When he said it, he sounded like he had been smoking all his life. He said to me, Hello, beautiful. I paused my music and sped up faster so that he would think I didn't hear him. He then began whistling a slow version of the Kill Bill song. He sang in the same slow rhythm. Then he spoke again. Ashley, 16. I love that white fitted dress you wore to the meeting on Tuesday. <laughs> he said it with a very creepy laugh. I ran down the rest of the street to my sister's grade school. To give you an idea of the layout of the school, it's an old small building surrounded by forest and trails with a small wooden playground out back. When I arrived at my sister's school, I signed her out and we began to walk home, this time through the trails behind her school. This would take about 40 minutes to walk home, but I thought I'd have a better chance at not seeing this creepy man walking this way. About half an hour into the walk, I began to hear a rustling in the bush, about 15 feet behind us. I told Gabrielle to keep walking and to not look back. She was 10 years old and disobedient with anger issues, so of course she ignored me and watched behind us for another 5 minutes. We were now approaching the end to the elementary school block when a figure jumped out of the trees 10 feet behind us. It was the same creepy guy, but he didn't look at us right away. He stared for a long moment toward the field at the elementary school, where a bunch of third and fourth graders seemed to be playing soccer, and the whole time, he had this disturbing, conniving smile on his face, a smile that I wanted to smack off of him. This man was a real sicko. Now, at that time in my life, I had recently had hip replacement surgery for a badly dislocated hip, and I was not supposed to be running. So instead, being the person I am, I froze in fear, with Gabrielle pulling at my arm, begging me to make a move. I watched him get closer, ten feet away, nine feet, eight, seven. Then he stopped and held out the black pizza box. That horrible smile of his grew even wider. I didn't think it could. He opened the box, revealing and pulling out a long knife. He swirled it around with ease as if to intimidate us. Then he said something terrifying. What do you think it'd feel like, the blade entering your stomach? It was then that I unfroze, and I ran the fastest I ever have in my life. And I didn't stop, not even to look back. We finally made it to my street and ran to my neighbor's house. He had been rebuilding, so there were groups of men with hammers and hard hats on outside. We quickly explained the story, and four of the men, some of them I recognized, ran after the man. They came back about a half hour later, 
with no sign of the creepy man. I told my parents as soon as I could. They called the police and they questioned me. My parents had told both of our schools and me and my sister that we weren't allowed outside on free period at our schools anymore for about a week. But a few weeks after that, I volunteered at my sister's elementary school as a field day instructor. It was during one of the soccer competitions that I saw the same man handing out water to children. That disturbing grin was stretched across his stupid face, the same grin he had been giving us when we were walking home that day. I ran and found the designated cop who worked at this school. Confidently and slowly, he made his way over to the man without being seen. Then, when he was close enough, he took the man to the ground. I felt like it was finally over. I could now feel safe outside again. We later found out that the man was named Matt, and he had been my sister's teacher's brother. He had been around Gabrielle every so often, and he had some mental issues. He was actually assigned there to hand out water for his therapy. He was later sent to a psych ward, and he'll be there for a year. I do feel kind of bad, but anyone who comes up to you with a knife and then asks you what it'd feel like to be stabbed with it deserves to be locked up for some time. That's just not safe in the public. My mom would eventually pull my sister from that school, and then we moved her to a much safer school. They Always See Submitted by Anonymous I wholeheartedly believe that there are beings and things out there that not everyone sees or believes in. I guess you could call me a faithful believer in the paranormal. I've had a few small encounters, each a bit more creepy than the last, but the one I'm about to tell you has been by far the most nerve-wracking encounter. This story spans across a year and a half with two different events. Now, before we start, I need to say a few things. I'm a 16-year-old guy and roughly 5'10". I weigh 115 pounds, so I'm not very big. I've lived all over the United States and I'm now residing in North Carolina. It was last year when I was a freshman in high school. On one Saturday afternoon, me and my family went to the park. This consisted of me, my mom, my dad, and my sisters. Now, the park is essentially part of the high school. It's all on the same plot of land, but the park itself is open to everyone at all hours of the day. I decided to split up with the group for a bit of a run, so I put my headphones in and started to run. My planned hike went down the trail that connects the park with the high school, but it kind of goes off in the distance first. Altogether, the trail is about two miles long, but about half a mile in, something feels terribly wrong. I mean, one moment I feel fine and normal, and the next I feel like I'm panicking, running for my life. It seemed darker out than it should have at the time. I found myself racing to finish the hike. At one point I glanced to my side, and I swear I saw a shadowy figure keeping pace with me, following me. It scared me at first, but I concluded that it was just a shadow being cast in an odd way. But then I heard this strange sound, it sounded like laughter and crying mixed. And oddly enough, it was coming from directly from the shadow that was following me. It took me a moment to realize that if I was hearing it through my headphones, then the sound was very, very loud. At that moment, I felt the need to just get out of there, 
Considering I was only a quarter of the way through the trail, I turned tail and ran back. At the time, I was absolutely terrified, but I didn't tell anyone because I knew no one would believe me. And honestly, I was still in denial. I still thought it was something rational, that it was really nothing that I saw that day. The second encounter was the second day of my sophomore year, which come to think of it was very odd. It was the second encounter, the second day of school, the second year of high school. Maybe I'm overthinking it. Anyway, I was walking to school, passing by the school dumpsters. This is normal, because the buses drop off in the back and you have to pass the dumpsters to get in. When I walked by them, I saw the same shadowy figure. Except this time, I knew that it wasn't my shadow. And besides that, it wasn't just a shadow. The thing had details. It seemed more like a man. And very quickly, I could see that it had pointed teeth and yellow eyes. Those eyes stood out more than anything. They were the disgusting color of rotting teeth. As I stared at this menacing figure, it stared back, and then it smiled with those gross teeth. My heart was pounding, and I was still walking forward, but I was not paying attention to where I was going. I ended up tripping over the nearby curb. Still deathly afraid, I picked myself up as fast as I could, just in case that thing tried to crawl at me. But when I picked myself back up, the creature, the thing, the man, it was gone now. To this day, I don't know what I saw, what I've been seeing, but I saw the same thing twice. I I'm sure of it. It just scares me, because I know the third time might be coming soon. Something is haunting that high school, and as long as I'm attending it, I can't help but feel very, very afraid. Never Trust the New Kid, submitted by Hoodified, and read by Mad Mike. Let me give you some background on the situation. My name is John. I'm 16 at the time of the event, in the middle of my junior year. I'm from Asian descent, and I'm nearsighted, which means I can't see far away, which is like a couple of inches away from my face. It all started when I was in my homeroom. I'll call my teacher Mrs. H. Now Mrs. H was a young woman in her 30s, but looked much older than she was. She taught history, and I have her second period. First period just ended, and I'm just getting into class. As I walk over to my seat, I see a skinny, black-haired kid sitting there. Are you the new kid? I asked. Yeah. Name's Kyle. Cool, name's John. I don't want to seem rude, but you're in my seat. Could you please move? He gave me this face that a child makes when you don't give them what they want. He sat up and sat in the seat behind me. He reeked of someone who hasn't had a shower in a while. I take my seat and class begins. Mrs. H explains that there is a project we have to do and it's on famous landmarks and their purpose. This was a partnered project, and lucky me, was paired with Kyle. I thought not only was this going to give me a bad grade, but it meant that he had to come over to my house, or I had to go over his. Obviously, I didn't want someone to come over my house, nor did I wish to go anywhere for that matter. 
So I made a stupid decision and decided to give Kyle my phone number. Everything was alright for the first couple days. Nothing was creepy besides from the look he gave me a few days ago. Except for one afternoon where me and him just finished writing. We both did two pages each and we're going to pick out the highlights from both of them and combine them together. This was a couple of hours ago. My parents were out at dinner and I was home alone playing some computer games when I heard what sounded like glass shattering from the basement, which was odd because I was on the second floor. Being the coward I am, I decided to pause my game and just listen. Not sure what to expect, I sat listening for a good five minutes before resuming to my game. Another minute goes by and I can hear the door to the basement open. I don't have any pets besides from the cat I have which was on my bed at the time. I mute my computer and turn off the monitor grabbing my phone to dial 911. This was on a landline installed to my room which was my dad's office for some time. I quickly told the operator the situation and she had dispatched an officer. I hear silent footsteps up the stairs. It felt like forever, which was only roughly three minutes I hear sirens. I never felt so safe in my life. That was until my door slammed open. I couldn't see much, but only a mere silhouette of a figure. The sirens passed my window with enough light for me to see the face of Kyle. He doesn't notice me, but he hides in the closet parallel to me. I've never been so scared in my entire fucking life. His facial expression was the same from when I had told him to move out of my seat. It's roughly 30 seconds of utter darkness besides some street lights glaring in through the window. The door slams open and a cop rushes in, turns on the light, and asks me if I'm okay. I scream my fucking lungs out, trying to explain he's in the closet while sobbing. He opens the closet and gets attacked immediately, but luckily, he tases Kyle. I asked the cops why they arrived so fast on only suspicion, and he told me that the operator said she heard another phone click after I hung up. I handed in the project a week later because I took some time off from school and stayed at my grandparents' house. And luckily, I got an A. So Kyle, let's never meet again. By the way, I had recently noticed my Facebook had my phone number and address on it. Needless to say, that's probably how he got my address. And without a doubt, I took both of them off and set my profile to private. If you have a Facebook, I advise you to do the same thing. Intergenerational Horror Submitted by Ebony When I was in high school, there was a class you could take that was connected to local history. I'm Canadian but I'm from the smallest province in Canada, so we don't get mentioned a lot in your usual Canadian history courses, so I thought it would be a really cool class to take. Our teacher was alright, a bit of a new age nut, but she gave good grades, and it was a pretty good blow-off class, 
You took it to get your marks up. Anyway, as part of the class, you had to do these little projects related to local history throughout the year. One of which was to tell ghost stories and legends we had picked up and share them with the class on Halloween. I'm a writer and really into all that horror stuff, so everyone expected me to do this assignment really well, which really did put some pressure on me. I gathered a bunch of different ghost stories, not knowing which would be better, and I hoped for the best. Come Halloween, we left our regular class and went to the auditorium across the hall. This teacher really sold the Halloween thing. She turned off all the lights except for a flashlight and handed it to me to get the ball rolling. To start off, I told a short and common one about a local pirate myth. Once I was done, I handed it over to the girl sitting next to me. The period went by rather quickly. A group of girls talked about how a friend's house was definitely haunted. Our school president did the myth of the infamous dead man's pond, and someone brought up the ghost ship. Soon the flashlight came to me again. Since everyone else had talked about what I had planned to speak about, I was at a loss. That is, until I remembered a story my mother told me when I was little. Downtown across from our most popular venue where our hockey team played, we have the local carnival every year. There was this old brick building. It was huge and majestic, like something out of a movie. When I was little, I loved how it looked, and I told my mother one day as we drove by I was going to live there when I was older. She went pale, pulled over into a street, stopped the car, and told me that I didn't want to do that. She was quite visibly shaken, something that was rare for me to see, so I asked why not. I was not expecting her answer. I knew my mother had a poor upbringing. After her parents divorced, she moved around a lot. Her dad had money and a nice house, but since he and her mother were still friends and wanted equal time with the children, she couldn't just live with him permanently. Her mother, my grandmother, was a nurse. They didn't make much money at the time. It was the late 70s, early 80s, you know? So she moved around a lot. Around the time of this story, they had just moved into an apartment building next door to the building I mentioned. It wasn't anything new, my mom stated, a normal apartment, until she went to bed. That night, she shared a room with a couple of her siblings. Her bed was near the window, and she could see out into the courtyard in front of the building. One of her brothers, of whom she had a difficult relationship with, told her stories about the building next door, that it was once a hospital, then an old folks home, and now apartments. So a lot of people died there, and now it was crawling with ghosts. My mother, being a rational person even in youth, did not believe him, and they went to bed. A couple of hours later, my mother told me she woke up. She said that there was this blue light shining into her room from the window. It was coming from outside. They were high up, not on the ground floor, and she did not know what it could have been. So she rolled over and looked out of the window and saw a couple of people standing there around in the courtyard below. She told me that they were all light blue and glowing, almost translucent. She sat there in her bed, looking at them, and then one, a woman, turned her head and looked up at her. My mother recalls yelping and diving under her covers, only to look up a minute or so later. The strange people weren't outside anymore. She was relieved, only for a few moments, when she noticed a light blue glow coming from behind her and illuminating her own shadow. She spun around, and there was the woman, who she had just locked eyes with, floating an inch above the ground in her room. According to my mother, she couldn't speak. Any chance at getting words out died in her throat, and she didn't know what to do as the woman slowly moved closer to her bed. Had her brother, the very one who had been teasing her about the haunted apartments, 
not woken up from the strange new lights in the middle of their room and screamed upon seeing the ghost, she to this day does not know what would have happened next. Her brother rushed to turn on the lights, the woman vanished, and their mother, my grandmother, ran in a couple of moments later. They moved only a few days later, but my mother and her siblings stayed with their dad until then. They simply refused to live in that apartment. After I told this story to the class, the room went dead silent. No one had apparently heard this story before. Slowly, a girl I had known briefly from my job at the time, let's call her Tara, reached across the circle we were sitting in to take the flashlight from me. I didn't know this at the time, Tara started to say, that the building was once a hospital, but something strange happened to me a few months ago when I was staying with my sister. She and her boyfriend lived in an apartment in that building. Tara explained that one night she had come in late to her sister's apartment. The door to the bedroom was closed, but the door was locked, so Tara assumed that her sister and her boyfriend were still out. Tara went and sprawled out face down on the couch and began to doze off. Then the front door creaked open. She woke up completely and assumed it was her sister or her boyfriend, so Tara didn't look up. The door continued to creak, then creaked back shut. Someone passed her on the couch and went into the kitchen area. She could hear the cupboard doors being opened and closed, along with the fridge, and then complete silence. Several seconds later, the door to the apartment opened again, just as Tara dozed off again. The next morning, Tara was woke up by her sister, angrily shaking her shoulder. The teacher asked why she thought it would be a good idea to leave the front door wide open and what she had been doing in the kitchen. Tara, still sleepy and adjusting, sat up and looked around. Sure enough, the front door was wide open, along with all the cupboards in the fridge. Tara exclaimed that she hadn't done this, she said that she thought it had been her sister and her boyfriend. They explained that they had been in the bedroom since dinner time, working on some projects for university, and so they thought it had been her. Tara finished up her story by explaining that it couldn't have been some burglar because nothing had been taken and she had locked the door behind her. She locked eyes with me, explaining that she had no idea what could have happened that night until I finished punching in the holes. That was a very weird day at school. It was like a horrific high school epiphany for the two of us, and I wish the story ended there, but there was one more disturbing twist. I was scheduled to work that night after school, and I came into the restaurant still thinking about what Tara had said. One of my managers, Anne, she asked why I looked so out of it. I told her about what Tara said, and I watched as the color drained from her face. She explained that a couple of nights ago, her sister and her daughter had moved into one of the apartments in the old brick building. She helped them move in, but found something off about the place. Her fears were proven correct. When she got a late call that night from her sister, she was hysterical and screaming and claiming that something wasn't right. Anne drove to the apartment, found her sister and niece sitting outside in their pajamas. She took them back to her house for the night. Her sister never fully explained what had happened the first night, but she didn't go back until the next morning, and that was just to gather their things and tell their landlord that they were leaving. I wish I could say I was brave enough to go and explore the building for myself, that I gathered a group of friends headed in with cameras and experienced the encounters firsthand, but I didn't. As much as I love the supernatural, I'm a coward and prefer hearing about it than experiencing it. I'm not sure in depth everything that has gone in in that building 
and it's difficult to do research on it. All I can say is that three people I know have had experiences there. Three people who are known to be incredibly trustworthy and rational. So I believe them when they say that something isn't right in that old building. The place that quickly became my high school's local haunted location. My Teacher Submitted by Autumn I thought I lived in a quiet, normal town, but something took place during my fourth grade year. Now, at that point in my life, we were learning about our bodies and how we made children. You know, the birds and the bees, sex education. Usually how it works is the girls are put into one room and the boys were put into another. However, my school decided to do it differently that year. They made everyone stay in the same room. I know, it's weird, right? It was odd that we had to be with the boys during this time, as they would see our body parts and vice versa. I didn't really care at the time, though. I mean, I was a kid. I really just wanted to get it over with. Who really cared anyway, right? Anyway, my friend Don and I were in the front left corner of the room near the windows. Those were our favorite seats. We enjoyed looking outside to see the nature, to see what was going on. And we were also called the hippies of the fourth grade, especially because my name is Autumn. Sitting there, we relaxed, talking about our weekends, when suddenly, a masculine-looking dude showed up. He slammed the door, and then he set his books and bag down. Great, said Don sarcastically. It's Mr. Major. Now, Mr. Major was known to be the monster of our school. Everyone was scared of him. His terrifying brown eyes dove into everyone's souls and gave certain kids the death glare. It was both scary and annoying. So, Mr. Major walks in front of us and says boldly, Students today will be learning about our bodies and what's known as sexual intercourse. The guy went on and on about what happens during sex. I thought it was disgusting, but keep in mind that it was 2010, and I was a very immature ten-year-old. Then, out of the blue, I heard him say, Autumn. Would you like to volunteer for our example of a woman's body? What was he asking? That's gross. Like, what the heck, I was thinking. I didn't get up, and instead I stuttered. Um, I, uh... For goodness sakes, he grumbled. Just get up here. I trembled and stared at Dawn. She was staring back in worry and fear. I slowly walked over next to Mr. Major and I stood in front of the class, shaking with anxiety. Mr. Major grabbed me and positioned me to face him. I mean, it was elementary school. What did he think he was doing? Now, kids, let's learn about the parts of the body. Autumn, do you know what a man's genital area is called? I shook my head. I didn't pay attention, but why would I even answer that, like this? Well, do you know what it looks like? He said very suspiciously. Again, I shook my head, expecting the very worst. I thought, dude, if I don't know what it is, how would I know what it looked like? But the next part is very bizarre and graphic. What he said is unforgettable to a child. Would you like to see it? He said it so calmly, as if he was trying to be seductive. He was staring down at me into my soul. With his glare at that point, I felt like I had no other choice than to comply. 
I nodded, but I didn't mean it. He smirked and nodded too. He pet my head and pointed at his crotch. He said it was there. He reached and pulled a zipper, and he showed us. In front of a bunch of kids at a public school, he just showed us. I felt my heart race. He told me that this was what he was talking about. My heart was pounding so hard it hurt. I was scared. I took a step back, and then he asked me to touch him. Then he began to approach me. I couldn't breathe, and I was so panicky that I fainted. The last thing I remember was Mr. Major telling one of the other kids to get the nurse. I woke up in the nurse's office, and she asked me what happened. I told her, and her face went white. She told me to go to the office and tell them. So I did. I told the office secretary what had happened in sex ed, and immediately she called my parents and the police about the incident. They picked me up as fast as possible and took me home. I was completely scarred by those events. Several months later, I'd seen on the TV that Mr. Major's court case was finally coming to an end. He was labeled a sex offender, and he was given a lengthy prison sentence. I remember watching that, thinking that no prison sentence was long enough. All I know is that I grew up faster than I was supposed to, and to this day, his death glare as he was standing in front of me, exposing himself, it still haunts me, and it will haunt me forever. My Elementary Creeper Submitted by Lucas I live in a town in Pennsylvania, and I was 10 years old when this happened. I used to go to an elementary school. I had a load of friends at that age, but not many lived near me though. My friend Jason was the only one who walked home with me, because he only lived down the road. Well, one day Jason got sick with a cold, so he wasn't at my school, and I ended up having to walk home alone. Just thinking about going home alone got me really nervous, if only I knew how worse it could get. So I was walking home that day, it's about a 13 and a half minute walk altogether, so it's a bit of a tire. But I've been doing this for some time now, so I was kind of used to it. I was walking down this street that I hadn't taken before, because I thought maybe it'd be faster than the usual. It turned out to be a dead end, so I turned to go back to the original street, and when I turned around, I suddenly heard a voice, a voice of a very old man. Hey kid, you want to ride home? I was weirded out. I was told to never talk to strangers, like most people. So I ignored him and continued on my way home. But he pulled his old blue car up next to me. He waved at me, with this creepy smile on his face. And again, I said no and kept walking. I turned a corner, getting closer to home, and as soon as I did, I began to run. Not sprint, more of a speed walk. But he pulled up in his car and kept pace with me saying, kid, don't run from strangers. It's not polite. You don't want to make me mad, do you? I was starting to cry. I knew about stranger danger, and everything this man was doing was sending red flags up. Oh, don't cry. I'm just trying to make friends. Good friends, he said, in a slow, pedophile-like way. I started sprinting even faster, and then I was finally running. But he continued to drive with me, Hey, I just want to make you my son, little boy. How does that sound? And then finally I couldn't hold back. I yelled at him. You're not my dad. 
Leave me alone. Now, on my way home, one of my neighbors has a very short fence, and the moment I came up on it, I knew I had the opportunity, that I had to take it. So, at the very last second, so that this man didn't have as much time to react, I turned and jumped over my neighbor's fence. I ran inside my neighbor's house. Luckily, he didn't lock the door. As soon as he saw me crying and pointing outside to the man in the blue car, he called the cops. I never heard from that guy or seen him since, but I really hope that freak goes to jail before he ends up picking up some other kid. I really hope I never see that man again. Band Hall Haunting Submitted by Sky Cat Our high school is relatively new. It was built back in 2008. My older brother went to the same school, and I'm now attending it as a freshman. During the summer, my older brother tried to scare me by saying that the land the school was on was haunted. He told me all this paranormal stuff, even going as far as to say that he'd witnessed some things there. But I never believed him. I assumed that he was lying, but after I experienced something myself, all of that changed. My older brother was in band. He was a percussionist. I'm in band now myself, and my instrument of choice is the bass clarinet. During band class one day, we were sitting down practicing our concert music, when our band director was telling us something about the music. All of a sudden, the lights began to flicker on and off. The class turned quiet, looking up at the lights, trying to figure out what was going on. Then the lights just turned off and everything was dark. The band director sent the boy next to me to go turn the lights back on, and if they wouldn't turn on, to go grab some flashlights out of the office. He got up and yelled at our band director that the light switch was flicked off, so he turned them on and they came back on normally. The band director was a little annoyed at this, because someone was apparently playing a prank on us. He ignored it and we began class again. But not a minute later, the light was flickering on and off again, and when he looked at the light switch, it was clicking itself on and off. No one was there. No one was close enough to touch that light switch. Our director walked over, turned the lights back on, and tried to distract us from what we saw, but I can tell his demeanor changed. From then on, the director's speech had a stutter to it, and he seemed agitated and nervous. Then, even more sudden than the light switch before it, the door leading to the rest of the fine arts building swung open with so much force that it hit the wall right beside it with a slam. This was one of those big double doors with the security bars on it, the kind you really have to push to open. But something had slammed it open and made it hit against the wall with such ease. Several of the girls in the class screamed. The band director shushed them, and then he had this nervous laugh. Afterwards, he told us all that Mason must be at it again, and the class continued on, although warily. Later on, I asked my brother what this meant, and he said that a former band member named Mason died unexpectedly through the school year. People say that since then the high school was haunted. My brother says and insists that Mason is a friendly spirit who just likes to mess around with people, but something tells me my brother is wrong. No, I believe him now about the paranormal stuff at the high school, but whatever that spirit really is, it felt anything but friendly. To this day, I feel taps and pokes and sometimes feel pushes. When no one's around, I feel eyes on me.
When I'm at school, I never feel alone, even during the few times that I am. This mason might be haunting the band hall, but something is haunting the entire high school. The Black Creature Submitted by Kyle R.J. This happened on a very long day at high school, with me and my two friends Jeff and Dick. We were going about our boring school life. We were grade nines. The teacher told us that there would be a Halloween party that evening. We were to bring money for the tickets and our parents if we wanted to. It was about two weeks away at that time, and I really looked forward to it. The day came, and me and my two friends went, and of course, not very many people brought their parents. So the party was going. At one point, I needed to go to the bathroom. I had been drinking soda and a lot of punch, so I asked to go to the bathroom. The party was centralized to one part of the school, and the rest was cut off. They really didn't want kids wandering around, but I got permission to go to the bathroom upstairs. It was the closest one, after all. When I went up there, there was nobody around. I was alone on the upstairs floor. Now, honestly, it was very creepy up there, very dark. I remember telling myself that I'd do my business quickly and leave. The whole place was eerily silent, despite the booming party downstairs. It's like the noise died before it could get up here. Before I could try to convince myself to hold it in, I remembered what my friend Dick would always tell us. Whenever any of us were being a bit cowardly, he would always say, be a man or man up. So I took a deep breath and I walked toward the bathroom, down the creepy dark hallway upstairs alone. And the moment I heard that growling, part of me died inside. It was like a sound straight from a horror movie and it came at the worst possible moment. The noise came from one of the empty classrooms upstairs, but it was down the hall. I just froze in terror. It didn't really sound like a dog, but if it was a dog, it must have been big. I was already at the bathroom door and about to go in, and I was hoping that someone just left a TV on or something like that. With all these Halloween specials playing this time of year, any of those noises would be normal. But then I saw something move down the hallway. It was too dark to see more than a silhouette, but whatever the thing was, it was coming towards me. I ran into the bathroom and shut the door. I immediately ran to the furthest stall away from the door. I sat on the toilet, just waiting. But then I realized that I had just done something stupid. By running into the bathroom, I had just cornered myself. So I kept hoping that whatever that was wouldn't open the door, or maybe I had just been seeing things. I was waiting there for a while, and I wanted that thing to be gone the moment I opened the door. And as the fear began to subside, my need to use the bathroom came back too, but I simply didn't have the courage to do anything, especially when I heard the door open. Before I could even think that it was another student, I heard that growling again, the very same growl now reverberating in the tiled bathroom. Almost by instinct, I pulled my legs up so that nothing and no one could see me under the stall. Whoever or whatever it was, it was walking back and forth around the stalls, grunting. I put my head down slowly to see what was going on, and I saw four black hairy feet pacing back and forth. I had never been more scared in my life, and never once did I pray more that I was hoping I was being pranked. At this point, I hadn't done anything except for shake and sweat. 
It felt like we were in that bathroom for a lifetime. But eventually the thing began to exit. Gathering any and all courage I had, I poked my head out of the bathroom door, and the black creature was gone. But I made sure to look around better than that, and that's when I saw that thing crawling out of a window above one of the sinks. Now I was sure that this was not someone pranking me. I had never seen this black kind of creature before. Before it was all the way outside, I ran downstairs with everyone else, and my dad said, what are you doing? What took you so long? And I tried to play it off, because I had no idea what I'd tell anyone. And if I did, imagine how crazy I would sound. They would simply think what I thought. Some prankster had gotten to me. So I kept it as my little secret. But I don't know what that thing was. This black four-legged creature covered in fur that was much larger than a dog. I wonder how it got in the school. Or maybe it came in the same way it got out. But from now on, when I go to the restroom, I'll be bringing someone with me.